the greatest game of football ever played, the greatest reality show of the decade, and Mel Gibson is an asshole, but not for the reasons you might think. This week on 30 Welcome everyone to 30, 20, 10, the show that looks 30, 20, and 10 years ago back into the glorious past of news, media, TV, video games, music, etc. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? No tea, no shade. It's Diana Goodman. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. Bring your charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Man, mm. I, I, I have no idea how to diagnose this week because there's a ton of interesting stuff, <laughs> but just not, not a ton of beloved things. It's a real grab bag. Yeah, but just a bunch yeah. of stuff. Ooh, just a ton of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, but a ton of a ton of really interesting uh, footnotes in history that might be lost if not for our exhaustive research. I want to get a plug out of the way, first of all, for um, patreon.com slash laser time. It supports the whole laser time network, including this show, uh, Video Game Apocalypse, which just celebrated its 300th episode. And if you Woo! ladies didn't know, I had the edge because the goal and we do a special, you know, episode every 100 is to pick the best year of video game releases and I had a special insight having done this show uh, for this is the fourth year we've done it Mm -hmm. and it was a year that we covered 2007 that I believe won but you have to listen to that show it's really good it's like 30, 20, 10 and video games you're going to dig that one and uh, I put together an epic show this week for Laser Time where we choose a different topic every week and this week is all about on the 10th anniversary sort of uh, which we won't talk about here because mm-hmm. it's a big deal and it's all happening right now. The complete sad saga of the Conan O'Brien Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. That is something that oh, rages on. We're going to start touching on it as we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we got a couple weeks till this last late night and uh, Jimmy Fallon takes over late night and then everybody shifts down a seat. Every, and then shifts back up a seat and then, get, and and then, then leaves a seat. a different seat. seat. Uh, but gets if, a seat yep. in a different house. If you want to hear, I worked so hard on that episode, read an entire book and I love just it's a it's got a glorious segment of what made this so cool. Not only is it a great showbiz story, it was lived out loud in late night monologues and was so yep. funny seeing all these people throw shade at everyone for mm-hmm. weeks and weeks on end. Yeah. Very fun. Please go give that a listen. I think you'll like it if you dig this show. Anyway, 30 20 10. Each week we look 30 20 and 10 years ago back in time. Welcome to Feb. Oh, I should have said, and also on Patreon, we will have a bonus episode celebrating your feedback on the previous month of shows. So thank you guys so much for that. But welcome to 302010, the show that looks 30, 20, and 10 years ago back in time. Uh, help you place where you were in history. Uh, it's really convenient that way. Where do we usually start this show, everyone? The 80s. The 80s. So we look back 30, 20, and 10 years ago. That means 1989, 1999, and 2009. And this week, we will be focused on February 1st through the 7th. Welcome to Feb, yo. Uh, we have most of our Super Bowling out of the way, but there's mm. only, and we're not sports fans here, but there is a football aspect that I can't wait to talk about. Uh, so beginning in 1989, like we always do in the 80s, welcome to 30, the 30 section of 30, 2010. Tiny bit of news to bring us in just to let you know it is actually 1989 for real. Todd Bridges is arrested of sh- <laughs> for shooting a drug dealer. But, oh, dear. Who's Todd Bridges? Todd Bridges is Different Willis strokes. of What You Talking About fame. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if this is the first problem stemming from the cast of different strokes uh-huh. which is sort of the first sitcom i can ever remember watching as a child hmm. uh, i feel like this is the first criminal matter yeah. um i feel like there was already lawsuits against parents wasting all of people's money or maybe dana plato was using drugs or something mm. like that but yeah, um, i don't know if she's been arrested for anything yet yeah but todd bridges may have that shot sucks. somebody i think he probably did 
was there for shooting somebody, but Johnny Cochran got him off because he had a hard childhood. Like the Johnny Cochran bullshit got him off. Um, but that lets you know we're right in 1989. This could help too. And we go over. To the- if he didn't shoot, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make a "What you talking about, Willis?" joke with a with a jury, and I couldn't yeah. get there. No, I could not get there. What uh, is he talking about? Tragedy, what is- <laughs> injustice. Uh, we'll talk more about injustice later in the show. Um, but movies, on a lighter note, 1989, to let you know, seriously, 1989, Nick Nolte and uh, Martin Short's Three Fugitives is number one at the box office, and that's Ugh. about that's about yeah. it for movies I've heard of during this segment. Holy God Lord. Yeah. damn, that's rough. That just shows you, okay, fine, everyone's finally seen Rain Man, and now we're watching the recent stuff, and it's... It stinks so far. Yeah. 89 has been pretty stinky that, so far. That's like me getting voted, like, when I was voted prom king in a graduating class of five. Uh-huh. Like, that's that's not really <laughs> fair. Uh, that's not really fair. But there are some movies. I'm not going to try and pronounce this movie, Diana. I'm going to make you do it. Kinjite? Kinjite. Oh, I, I would have got except for the last syllable. Forbidden subjects. What the fuck is this? It's a fucking another Charles Bronson piece of crap. Yes. Uh, this time, Japanese people are scary. And it's his last collaboration. Nine movies he made with director Jay Lee Thompson, um, who did, you know, most of the trashy, non-Death Wish things that you think of Bronson, or Bronson, not Bronson, Bronson doing Bronson. in the 80s. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, but Peggy Lipton's in it, and that's not fair because I love Peggy Lipton. Yeah, this has seemingly a better cast than normal for a Charles Bronson movie, Kinjite. A realm of secret appetites. And hidden passions. If she wasn't enjoying it, why didn't she cry for help? Because of shame. A realm where nothing is taboo. It was Duke who put you out on the street. He made you turn tricks. Duke was good to me. Charles Bronson. (laughs) Everybody on the floor, now! Kinjite, Forbidden Subjects. Man, he he looks older there than I remember. he looks so old. He like, like... Barreling through that doorway was like obviously made of cardboard. <laughs> he was like, Ugh. Yeah. careful. My favorite thing though was I had to look up. Okay, so what is kinjite? Is mm-hmm. it like, like the yakuza, or is it I don't know some sort of like horrible martial art? It's it's the name for an illegal hold in sumo wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I consider that cool. a forbidden subject on this show. No, we will never talk about sumo wrestling unless it involves E Honda. Uh, <laughs> speaking of showbiz stories, um, I was trying. Oh maybe Diana knows a little more about this one because I this, didn't know this, this one was is, still alive. This is heartbreaking. Wicked Stepmother, directed by Larry Cohen, starring Betty Davis and Barbara Carrera. This is Betty Davis's last film. Oh, no. Um, this is post stroke Betty Davis, so half her face doesn't move. She slurs her words, but she's still fucking pissed. And <laughs> it became like this kind of scandal because it was like she walked off the set they said or she was fired or there was a disagreement and she went on entertainment tonight a month before the movie releases and trash talks everything she is so she's so betty davis about it because she is a giant bitch and (laughs) i love that she is not taking their bullshit so she goes on with leonard malton who's obviously very happy to see her he's got this giant grin on his face and she says, like, I couldn't work with Larry Cohen because he kept telling me what to do. <laughs> Who does he think he is, a director of things? How dare right. he direct me? Betty Davis. I mean, she's like 80, 81 at this point, like I said. Wow. 
post-stroke. And uh, yeah, I, I grabbed a clip of her talking about how it's not her fault. Oh, goodness. I felt I must let people know why I am only in about, I should think, 15 minutes of finished film. There's quite a countdown for Betty Davis. <laughs> and I think audiences, I have a right, we have a right to let the audiences know. But you had a very, this, was, this must have been a very difficult choice because you had to choose between, on the one hand, having people say, well, Betty Davis walked out on a movie, or choosing to stay in the movie and be unhappy. Yes. Well, the lesser of the two evils, was. <laughs> <laughs> and she is dressed so, like this... such an old-timey movie actress. Okay, I have a... Instagram follow recommend based on watching this. If you ever heard of uh, the comedian Cole Escola, Cole Escola, uh -uh. he does basically these little Insta story series, and it's him basically talking in that kind of Betty Davis old lady voice, telling crazy stories of like early um, Hollywood, and mm -hmm. it's just like Ooh. him picking up in the middle of the story, then getting it cut off, then get picking up in the middle of another story. And it's, it's always like, and that's why I never worked with a horse again. <laughs> Anyways, it's just like, it is hilarious. And yeah. that's exactly where he got this from. Or that's where he gets oh, it from now. Yeah. I know it's and that's, exactly that's where this. awesome. Yeah. Also, Mario Con Cantone, the comedian, uh -huh. he does the best post-stroke Betty Davis impersonation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And it was last year on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. He and Gilbert Gottfried as Tony Curtis sang Baby It's Cold Outside together. And I was driving and I just about had to pull over. I was laughing so hard. Oh, that's wonderful. And I, I, I had to compare when doing this uh, the podcast about the late night wars. Like, obviously, every story with Betty Davis is a more fascinating showbiz story. But you didn't learn those details of the feud mm -hmm. until years mm -hmm. later. Uh, that's why the showbiz story is more. The, the late night story is a more interesting showbiz story. There's so many clips from it. Betty Davis would throw everybody. To the, everybody would throw her under the bus years later. Usually, I guess, except in this case. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Well, yeah. The saddest part of this, though, is the the end of the interview. She says, "I'm down on my knees, begging for good scripts. Someone send me one." No one ever did. This is her last movie. Uh, she passed away. Uh, come August or no October. And um, she's a fucking legend because she don't take no shit. Did she save her money? Was she desperate? Was she hard up? No, I think she just liked to work. She just mm. wanted to keep working, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think she just Good came with that that ridiculous uh, early Hollywood ethic of like you you you're always working, always. Mm -hmm. If you don't work, all you're doing is fighting with your daughter who became a weird born again Christian <laughs> and claimed that she practiced actual witchcraft. Okay. So yeah. Uh, I don't know why I'm bothering to move us on to the next movie. Uh, her alibi. Uh, bombed and no one liked it. <laughs> <laughs> William Daniels, Paulina uh, Porzkova. Porzkova? Porzkova? Yes. Ah, and and uh, Mr. Mustache, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, Paulina Porzkova. She was accused of murder. So we put this music in. Shut the engine off. But the moment he saw her, he knew she was innocent. He became her alibi. You think she's really trying to kill you? Where the hell is one man's gone today? Her alibi. Wow, wow this does Mr. look like Feeney. a mismatch of tones. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, a woman yeah. accused of murder that Tom Selleck falls in love with. And then it looks like she's trying to kill him, but it's probably going to work out okay. It's wacky. He got shot with an arrow in the butt. Or he's accident pro. I swear, there was just a couple shots and accidents in there that looked like, is this Wolf of Wall Street? This looks like shit Leonardo DiCaprio did in there. <laughs> like falling in the pool and crawling over his car. Paulina uh, Portskova <laughs> was with Billy Joel for some point. at some point. Oh, uh, Really? No, she I, married Rick Ocasek from the Cars. That's what I'm thinking. They might of. still be together. Yes, that's what like, I'm thinking of. For exactly. A years. It's like the most beautiful woman in the world, and a guy who looks like a melted candle. Yes, <laughs> a guy who <laughs> looks cool. a guy who looks like a new age skeleton. Uh, yeah. Now I have a theory. Mm. My theory is that the movies suck because they're getting out of the way of TV. Because oh, okay. we have like okay. possibly the biggest TV thing in the year. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is definitely the biggest thing of the year that like almost no one listening will have any context for. But uh, Danny Glover, but their dads do. Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Duvall star in Lonesome Dove. This is Captain Woodrow F. Call. I'm Captain Augustus McCray. They say the both of you were Texas Rangers back in the old days. They lived by the strength of their word. Just I ain't no criminal. Sorry you crossed the line. Their courage guided the course of a nation. I don't see why you have to go up to Montana where the Indians cannot fight you. I'd like to see at least one more place that ain't settled before I take up the rocket chair. They say you clean the Comanches out and the bandits. And their story became a legend. You all right? Hell no, I ain't all right. I wish we'd never left Lonesome Dove Me neither. But he had to. He had to leave Lonesome Dove because it was a miniseries, a four-part miniseries, but a fucking epic in every sense of the word. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember Red yeah. Pants talking about this. I remember Garth Brooks writing a fucking song about this. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is the first of several Lonesome Dove series. I believe somewhere almost 30 million people tuned into this, and mm-hmm. it's not quite Roots numbers, but it's nearly Roots numbers. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is huge. I, I remember the sequel being marketed. I don't remember this at all. I was too young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this mm-hmm. was massive, massive. And reading about what it was supposed to be, mm. we t- what show were you trying to talk about Peter Bogdanovich on? Oh. He, the Sopranos? Yeah, or, he's on that. Yeah. that he, he, wrote, he wrote this originally, uh-huh. or adapted this from the book, to star John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, and Peter Fonda. Oh, damn. To, to be John Ford's last directed movie. Wow. And, and they talked one another out of it. And it got Wait, adapted. Peter Fonda or Henry uh, Fonda? Shit, I don't know. Maybe Fuck Peter. Either maybe, one. I, Henry, I yeah, would say I Henry want. Fonda. It was because like, it's supposed to be these aging people in the West. And mm, Robert yeah. Duvall's been doing that for like 20 fucking years. And I got to tell you, I love every, every time Robert Duvall goes to the Old West, I'll be there. I do like mm-hmm. it. He's an unforgiven, right? Nope. No, who am I thinking of then? Well, Open Range, lovely. Yeah, Open Range is underrated. Mm-hmm. And there was one more with Duval that I really liked. Um, fuck, I couldn't, can't think of it. Uh, but yeah, this is huge. Lonesome Dove was incredibly big. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how you watch it now, but I'm going to guess it's all on YouTube in terrible resolution. Uh, yeah, actually, it's in U- on YouTube right now, but in pretty good resolution mm. because they released a Blu-ray a couple of years ago. They cleaned it up gorgeously. They widescreened that thing because I think they probably shot it in widescreen because um, it's all shot on film. I think they were thinking bigger. I guess they realized what they had on their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't feel like they crop too much for, for widescreen in it. But the, the Blu-ray looks beautiful. Well, I mean, you know, you know from experience, Diana, a lot of these TV movies are shot like regular movies because overseas they sometimes get screened in theaters. I don't know how you'd end yeah. up releasing two Lonesome Dove movies in Prague, but 
it, you saw Alf there, so it you know it can happen. Yeah, uh, it was the weirdest thing ever. But uh, yeah, I I started watching this. I had a choice of was I going to watch this or was I going to watch He's Not That Into You, and I watched this. And <laughs> you I made just the right choice. You knew Sarah had you covered. <gasps> yeah, I knew. I mean, I love I, had I love westerns, and I remembered a little bit of this, but I was like maybe eleven at this time, so I wasn't. I just I wasn't paying attention. Sure. Uh, to like whatever westerns. This looks like something Dad's like. I don't care. Blah. Uh, even though I watch mostly things dads like anyway, and <laughs> it fucking holds up. It's good. Really deep cast on this. We got a little Ricky Schroeder turning into Rick Schroeder. We got Angelica Houston, Chris, Chris Cooper before people knew who he was. D.B. Sweeney, Robert Urick, Diane Lane, Danny Glover. Yeah. And uh, I believe first ever episode of 302010, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, this time not starring with a futuristic car. <laughs> I believe it was nominated for a, a whopping 18 Emmys. It won seven. Wow. None yeah. in any categories that I felt like rattling off because it's makeup, editing, and all that, and costume, all that stuff. Uh, also in February, on the first specifically, Growing Pains, <laughs> Semper Fidelis. Mm-hmm. This was this is a notable uh, episode for like Growing Pains fans because this is Boner's last show. Boner, not Boner. Boner. Yeah, <laughs> um, Boner was like the wacky neighbor, Mike's best friend, who's kind of like a you know screw up throughout the show, and they're both in college now. And Boner fa- fails out of college, and then tells Mike that he's going to join the Marines, and Mike's really upset about it. And uh, Andrew Koenig, who played Boner, mm-hmm. son of Walter Koenig, oh yeah, uh, oh, this no, is his yeah, this is his last show on Growing Pains. And it's all, I think it's probably the last time Boner was set on network television for a very long time. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Koenig went on to um, be the video producer in my one of my favorite podcasts, Never Not Funny. Right. And then tragically oh, no committed suicide. Right. He, but he's, he, oh, no. he yeah. played the Joker in one of my favorite yes. Batman fan right. films. So I think he's like immediately killed by a predator mm-hmm. and it rules. Yeah. Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, it was really I good. Know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, shit, I loved it. I used to love Growing Pains. This, how am I supposed to, oh, this is, oh, sorry, that's a date. I thought that was a Yeah, title. I know. I autocorrected to uh, Full exposure, <laughs> the sex tape scandals. Yeah. What the hell is this? A TV movie starring Lisa Hartman and Vanessa Williams, which mm. I thought was a really strange choice for her considering... The Miss America stuff? The Miss America stuff. And I was, basically, uh, Lisa Hartman is an attorney who goes undercover to, like, as a prostitute to try to track down this woman who's being featured in this very sexual pornographic Ooh. video. This is on <laughs> network television as like a TV <laughs> movie of the night. millimeter for women. Yeah, basically. But yeah, I guess Vanessa Williams is kind of like, fuck it, I'm going to just lean into this mm-hmm. scandal situation. Okay. I don't know. It's just a new photo. It's different than a sex tape. I know. Oh, what a... They were tasteful too. It's not like her legs are behind her ears or something. Yeah. <laughs> what qualified They're... for a scandal 30 years ago. Right. Oh, gosh. Yep. Simpler time. And on uh, the 6th of February, Columbo goes to the guillotine. Yeah, this... What a great episode title. <laughs> this is the eighth season premiere, at first episode of the eighth season for Columbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I threw it in here just because we haven't really talked about Columbo that much. No. Sam went, Sam went back and we rewatched them you know uh, like a couple years ago. Just just a little so insight. And I remember from, I became obsessed with movies like Heather's and Ferris mm-hmm. Bueller from Sam's 
tape collection mm-hmm. because it was one of the few VHSs he had recorded in his house that didn't have the words Columbo and Perry Mason <laughs> on them. So he, either he loved that shit or his parents did. And his parents must have. Um, but in this episode, the murderer is played by Anthony Andrews, who is a <sighs> psychic, and he's trying to convince the government to give him some sort of a contract based on his ESP abilities. But of course, he's not really a psychic. And uh, he ends up killing his old mentor who is a magician using a guillotine that was supposed to be using a trick and then he switched it out and then chopped off his head and then at the very end Columbo apparently and I don't remember rewatching this episode with Sam but apparently Columbo has his head in the guillotine and of course the murderer reveals how he did it and why he did it at the very last minute and then attempts to guillotine Columbo but Columbo had switched the blade out again and he Columbo (laughs) every time oh Oh, man I I love Columbo but I'm looking at the cast list of this episode and I am shocked it was not Anthony Zerby Anthony Zerby played bad guys every day of his life well this time he was the victim Mm. oh poor Anthony Zerby oh so they couldn't afford to keep him around I get (laughs) it probably man all right hard pivot to video games (laughs) from Columbo Man, what, what demographic does the show fall Columbo. under? <laughs> but if you like old school video games, this is a, a really interesting time. Nintendo has usurped Atari as the uh, big game maker in the West. And now they are suing each other. And this will this will carry out through the whole month, suits and countersuits. But basically, uh, we told you a few weeks ago about Atari taking games like Pac-Man and RBI Baseball and the original Tetris and putting them on unlicensed black cartridges Nintendo sued them. Mm. They sued Nintendo because Nintendo had this. Re- I don't. I don't know what the word draconian means, but I think I could call it a draconian policy. Yeah. Uh, of making people buy those little gray Nintendo parts from Nintendo, you need to buy a minimum of five thousand, and your game has to be exclusive on our platform for two years. And Atari's Ooh. like, "Fuck you!" Oh. Uh, and, and Nintendo was intimidating retailers for mm-hmm. not carrying these things, and uh, their lawsuits back and forth. Hundreds of millions of dollars are at stake, and I. I, I'll keep you informed because this happens. This keeps going through for another six weeks, and mm. I didn't look that hard into it. But uh, in bigger news, I don't care about sports, mm-hmm. especially football. I'll say, um, but I do love Tech Mobile, and I cannot believe that this little Japanese company that made Ninja Gaiden kind of dominated interactive football through this period. Tech Mobile mm. is a name anybody who likes football in games can remember. And if you don't like football, it was a fun game to play. It's back in the day when you couldn't always... Like right now, I think Madden has the exclusive NFL and player license, and that's why there's no other football games, because why bother if you can't have the peop- the players or the teams? They mm-hmm. couldn't have the teams, so they were mm-hmm. just called Philadelphia. Mm. And uh, right. they, But they did have the players, some of the players. They had a, a couple of the players. And most notably... I don't know. We can talk a lot about Tech Mobile's legacy. People still play it. I love watching it. It's easy to understand. It is a fun football game. Uh, but it was, I think, showcased on network television within the last five years by something we talked about last week, Family Guy. And it's hmm. like the longest NES gameplay sequence I've ever seen on network television that's such a specific joke about a specific 1989 game on Family Guy. Okay, we all know how much Cleveland loves Tecmo Bowl, so let's start playing. I'm the Raiders, I'm Bo Jackson, and hopefully he'll show up. That's no fair, Bo Jackson's too fast. Guys, do we want Cleveland back or don't? Up, oh, here we go. <laughs> Bye-bye. See, Peter, he's too fast. You gotta tackle me, it's B. You gotta press B. I'm pressing B, he's too fast. Going over here, going over here now. Never get tired. 
Change your guy, Quagmire. Change your guy. I'm trying. Peter's cheating. You're cheating, Peter. I'm not cheating. I'm following the rules. I'm just really good. You're not really good. You just got Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson also played professional baseball. Shut up, Joe. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is less than half of the sequence. That is crazy. And it was true. Like, well, Bo Jackson, it, it, I don't know. It almost didn't seem unfair because Bo Jackson was the coolest guy in the world in 1989. Of course you wanted to play him, but it was this massive race to get him because he was kind of, he had unbeatable stats. Mm. He was very hard to take down. And uh, there's tons of gifts out there. I think there's like a, a Kia commercial with Tech Mobile, themed after Tech Mobile. It was never able to recapture the magic, but like uh, I, it's still synonymous with great sports games yeah. on early video game consoles. Tech Mobile, everyone. So let's uh, steer out of 1989 with the music. New releases this week, February 1st to the 7th. The Great Radio Controversy by Tesla is out. Don't Tell a Soul by The Replacements. Beyond the Blue Neon by George Strait. And Dylan and the Dead, a live album of Bob Dylan backed by The Grateful Dead. Okay. What the fuck? Jerry Garcia is not even dead yet. But we will go out uh, when I'm with you by Sheriff, which is number one. And we will see you once again in 1999. This show is brought to you by Audible, home to almost 200,000 audiobooks to choose from, which you can listen to on your iPhone, your Android, your PC, wherever you can plug in earbuds. Odds are, if you like podcasts, you're going to dig Audible, because there's a ton of fun stuff to listen to, even exclusive shows like a new Dr. Cat season. But I can rattle off bestsellers on Audible for days. You can go check it out. What I have to recommend is this week's Laser Time episode is all about Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show. And an invaluable source for that was Bill Carter's The War for Late Night. And there's a ton of stuff we don't talk about. Like, how does Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart figure into this? And it's, or how much money was seriously on the line at any given point. It's a fascinating read. And you can get that book free by going to audibletrial.com slash lasertime. Yeah, free. In addition to over 200,000 other stuff you can choose from. But I gotta recommend Bill Carter's War for Late Night. And you can try that book or thousands of others for free by going to audibletrial.com slash lasertime to get your free audiobook and start your free 30-day trial of the service. Thank you, Audible. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Lasertime crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash lasertime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Lasertime network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. So, but we broke up. She was not pleased with it. Sent me some really nasty texts afterwards. I didn't talk to her again. Mm-hmm. Got another text. Well, you, know, you and you and I were actually at the cocktail party last weekend. And uh, so here is the uh, here's the excerpt here. She takes me out of nowhere to something like, Hey, I went on a date with a really nice guy this, to this evening, and I thought, um, you know, I, I should have liked him or, you know, found him attractive, but I don't. I just think I like guys who are assholes like you. And... <laughs> And and so how's how's playing he, video games to four in the morning with your ripped jeans and your, and your nineties attitude? <laughs> fucking Bart Simpson spray paint. <laughs> I like assholes like you. Do you like monogamy and and, and truthfulness? Um, so uh, um, then she uh, and and you know said something else. Try to be you know put some levity. Given the last message that she told me, which was something along the lines of like, I hope you never experience joy in your life and you die. <laughs> You'll probably die at the age of 50. You've only got maybe 12 years left. You're going to have 12 more years of working the same dead-end job. It, it's mean in a way I, I wouldn't even and, think to be this mean. Oh, it said I was a misogynist and a sexist and an asshole. 
And that I should have yeah, sided she with must, the Is she on Reddit? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> You're the biggest pussy I've ever met. This <laughs> now who's the misogynist? Come on. Why the, why the gendered slur? This explains your micro penis <laughs> Just an oversized clit. <laughs> and good luck with your midlife crisis, your hair loss, and your terrible schmegma. <laughs> You gotta. I have never been texted the word schmegma. Schmegma. I will never contact you again, you geriatric fuck. <laughs> Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Many times as you want, Britney Spears. Uh, baby, one more time is number one this week, and it begins. This it is starts. This is, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't say that lamenting it. I believe the way I described it. I, I grew up in that grunge era mm-hmm. of uh, integrity and flannel, and mostly men, and uh, yeah. and that was slowly dying. You could see radio stations and MTV dying to find a replacement for alternative hits. Yeah, and they went all through like weird techno. They added a fucking turntable to practically every band in the universe and mm-hmm. it just didn't take I don't know if you were alive in my age at that time you didn't I didn't think pop was going to catch back on like this again and once I saw this video I'm like oh shit this is catchy it's here she's cute this is going to have a bunch of bunch of overlapping fans yeah holy shit this is undeniable pop is back baby Britney Spears one more time out this week uh, new releases this uh, for the week of February 1st to the 7th 1999 uh, No Exit Blondie's first album in 17 years why'd they wait so long uh, this had Maria on it, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the hit off of it. People were like, Blondie has a hit? It's a good song. <laughs> it's a great song. I love it. We can go out with it. Yeah. Uh, Keep It Like a Secret by Built to Spill and X-Ray Sierra by Tom Cochran. Wading you into the world of 1999, February 1st to the 7th. How about a little bit of newsishness? Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. I have to... Re- to read this again, an NYPD <laughs> fires 41 shots at a random dude, Amadou Diallo. Um, Amadou. Amadou Diallo. Amadou Diallo. Uh, when he reached for his wallet, he has hit 19 times. The four cops are charged with second-degree murder, found guilty, and this never happened again. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. They were acquitted. It's cool. Oh, Everything is, as, is yeah. as it was. Yeah. This uh, is a time when I was like, only paying half attention to the news mm-hmm. and this like penetrated you know that bubble for yeah. me for sure this was yeah, humongous this, this was very high profile because like every step of the way it's fucked up yeah. you know it's for 
cops are like looking for a rape suspect from a rape from like a month ago. So they're just sort of wandering around looking at black dudes. <laughs> they see this guy just coming home to his apartment building and uh, he reaches for his ID and they decide, oh, yeah, that wallet's a gun. Mm-hmm. And then they shoot 41 times and they only hit him half of that time. So the shots going everywhere. One of the cops tripped and they thought, oh, no, he's shooting back. Oh, and God. Um, what the fuck? Yeah, it was it's just it's like everything that's wrong with law enforcement all happened at the same time. This poor guy is just minding his own business. Um, yeah, he gets shouted out in a lot of songs from the era after this because this mm-hmm. was just like so egregious and so shocking. And then uh, Bruce Springsteen writes a song and then the police union gets all mad at him, um, which is very stressful for white cops because Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> Uh, this is not the last time we'll talk about Bruce this episode. No, oh, no, no, no. He'll come up again. <laughs> thank God. Uh, yeah. And oh, it's so nice that that never fucking happened again where a black guy's mind his own business and then gets shot uh, by cops. Maybe we can get the All Lives Matter people to be concerned about the 22 bullets that didn't hit him. That's dangerous too, right? Yeah, that could have hit anyone. Right? 22 bullets sailing through the fucking city. Oh my God. Uh, it's kind of shocking no one else got hit, including right. other police officers right. that were present. Like <sighs> that amount of bullets is kind of, it's a, it's insane. In lighter news movies, so, just kidding. Rest in power, Amadou. Yeah. Just and kidding. Then, yeah, let's go to something even lighter. Yeah. Uh, the Last Day is a documentary about the Holocaust. Yeah. Yay. But a different um, kind, a, a different kind of documentary about the Holocaust. Yeah, it's a different kind because it's not, it's not a macro view; it's a micro view. They just interview a couple survivors. Um, I think they're all from Hungary, and including my former uh, congressional representative Tom Lantos, who's a cool guy. Hmm. Um, I adopted my dog from the Tom Lantos Center. Oh, or wow. sorry, Tom and Annette Lantos. It's named after him and his wife. It's nice. Cool. Um, they're both survivors, and it talks about sort of just the last little bit of the Holocaust where it's like this, the Nazis are losing the war. Why are they still throwing men and material at slaughtering civilians mm, and yeah. those people's experiences and then coming out of it. It won the uh, Oscar for best documentary. It's produced by Steven Spielberg through the Shoah foundation. And these are the kind of movies I, I mean, they're hard to watch, but when you just see one person just telling them your, your their personal story, mm-hmm. yeah, it can, yeah. it can gut punch you so much more than, just you know this raw statistics of it, and then they right. killed a hundred thousand people. It's like it's just like but some I, nice per, grandma and she's just telling this awful it. story. Yeah. But I, I, I exactly I love that shit. Yeah. One because I I'd never even thought about that aspect of the war until like one of the last episodes of Band of Brothers. Like mm-hmm. what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, now that right. we found these these people in these camps, where right. do they go? Exactly. What and, what do you do? How do you? Feed, how do you handle all the medical issues? How do, where where do you start to try to send these people? What do they want to do? Mm-hmm. They all start wanting to find their families. Oh God, they're all finding out what happened to their families. Oh shit, yeah. their house is still occupied by a German. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, they don't want to give it back. Yeah, <sighs> said they bought it fair <sighs> and square. Nothing we can do. Uh, yeah, it, it reminds me of a, um. I just watched the docu- the Peter Jackson documentary. Uh, they shall never grow old. And yeah, uh, I really don't watch that now. You have to see it, Diana. It is it it is insane. It, it, everyone should watch that. But it's it it also strikes me like this. It's they call that an article in oral mm-hmm. history, an oral history of blank, but b- a bunch mm-hmm. of personalized testimonies. Like I have never heard people, I don't think in my life, speak about a first person experience from World War One 
Uh, and yeah. it was yeah. it was mind blowing because people talk the Brit British talk about that way differently than anybody talks about World War Two. Yeah, they have no mm -hmm. political view. But but I mean that's I think that's super important because most people didn't have fucking fifty years of hindsight, and that's why mm -hmm. their perspectives are so interesting. And and after I watched that documentary, I looked up how many World War One veterans are left. Uh, last one, one that I was a woman in twenty twelve, mm. uh, mm -hmm. and. That's going to happen with World War II and survivors yeah. of the Holocaust. And if yeah. someone doesn't put this shit on record, we'll never fucking know. And uh, yep. yeah, just glad. glad to know, I have not seen this, but I'm glad to know someone did. Mm -hmm. That's literally what the, the Shoah Foundation is, the Spielberg funded, is mm -hmm. just to get first person accounts. It's just set up a camera and tell us your story just to get it all documented, which is why I want to punch Holocaust deniers in the face so often. Mm-hmm. Not just because I'm a Jew, but because uh, there's a lot. It's not just like books and evidence and pictures. Like there's witnesses. There's hundreds of thousands of them. There's footage. They there's... know what they freaking saw, man. Yeah. All right. Did everybody get the tattoos? We're going to pull the wool over all the Gentiles' eyes. Right. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they all, they all came together, you know, the day before the Soviets roll in and like, okay, Auschwitz, let's get this together. We're going to put on a show. Yeah. To what yeah. end, by the yeah. way? Nobody ever asked to what end. This doesn't work if I'm surrounded by any of my four children. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's all part of the vast Zionist conspiracy to make everyone a puppet government. Hmm. Also aliens, maybe. And flat hmm. earth. I don't know. My word. There's an awful there's an awful lot of overlap between Holocaust denial and flat earth I found online. Hmm. Just Imagine say that. It. What do you what do you call that in X Files language? I want not to believe. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Let's let's liven it up a little bit with Rachel Griffiths and Emily Watson's new movie, Hillary and Jackie. She's ready. Jackie's fame spread around the world. While Hillary found a simpler life. Ah, uh, Miss Dupre. Yes. I was wondering whether I could book you for a concert. I know it's not me you want, it's my sister. But you're Hillary Dupre, the flautist. Yes. Yes, yes, well it's you I want. Oh. Who's this? Give a frenzy. I'm in love with Hillary. What do you do? I'm a musician. You any good? Let's get a flat together and go bonkers. Kev has asked me to marry him. You can't just leave me. I'm not leaving you. Oh. You're not going to believe this, but I did not see this. This seems right up my alley. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Uh, I mean, this is a wide release holdover from 1998. Mm. Uh, I believe Emily Watson was nominated for an Oscar for it. It's a true story of Jacqueline Dupre, who was a concert cellist and became very, very famous, married a very famous, com uh, not composer, conductor, uh, Daniel Barenboim, which is just a name I like saying, <laughs> Barenboim. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, yeah, it's about like having her family life and then developing into this like weird, the fame and the pressure of fame and she starts having mental problems. Then she starts having physical problems, you know, alongside her sister who has this, takes the other road into this more sort of boring farm type life. Mm. And it's, it's just really good. I mean, those are two fucking great actors right there. Mm. Yeah. Plus I love yeah. movies about sister dynamics. It's always oh, yeah. interesting. That's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very good, but yeah, I can see why Chris would be like, <laughs> it's about girls and classical music. <laughs> accents and flute solos. I can't do this. Gross. Uh, this movie, the next movie is also pretty gross. Mm. Um, yeah. But I think it's, I think it probably is the, like the best, uh, SMG ever did outside the horror genre. Well, no, Cruel Intentions. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. That movie was definitely number one with the bullet. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it's odd to see that Sarah Michelle Gellar was mostly in horror stuff. Yeah. 
for a long time, but this it's is true. like a straight up romantic comedy starring Sean Pat- Patrick Flannery and Sarah Michelle Gellar in Simply Irresistible. You. Amanda, don't you understand? Everything you're feeling is going into your food. It's irresistible. Now, two mismatched strangers starts in your mouth and then shoots down your spine and then just explodes out of your toes are about to discover. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to confiscate that. Where'd you get this thing? I mugged a 75-year-old woman for these. Their attraction is magic. It's floating. Make it stop. I didn't do anything. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Okay, okay. Oh, boy. This is the, yes, Simply Irresistible, yeah, the one about the magic food. Yeah. Or she can mm. she channels her passion into her food and that, and that makes it magic. She has no real magic on her own. Oh. Uh, no, it looks like nobody saw Simply Irresistible. Uh, I mean, no. it, it looks like the idea is that her emotions go come out through her, make her food taste better or in a way or mm. I don't know, change this, which. You can always you know, tell what my emotions are when I plate something. Sure. <laughs> Feeling very 90s. Everything's vertical. <laughs> Spaghetti took forever. Yeah. It's this on two like, plates. It's not a totally uh, original idea. Definitely like Waterford Chocolate mm-hmm. did this a while ago mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. Fifth novel in the movie. But, you know. Yeah. I don't know. No, I just, I, watching the whole trailer, like I had a vague recollection of this. I remember Ebert, Siskel and Ebert, like ripped into his son. Uh. But, uh. <laughs> Just like the thing opens with like Sarah Michelle Gellar looking at, you know, this guy and this girl out the window from the kitchen and being like, oh, she's so beautiful. How could I compete? I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're not even wearing glasses. Come on. Yes. Uh, Ooh. But then, uh, ooh, number one this week at the box office is a movie you most of us probably saw maybe twice in two different forms. James Coburn, Maria Bello, Greg Henry, Mel Gibson in Payback. He's a dead man. They thought they killed him. Oh! And got away with his money. 130000 Bravo. But no matter what they do... They weren't wearing their seatbelts. He keeps coming back. <laughs> man, that's just mean. You tell him that Porter is back. <laughs> and he wants his money. Mel Gibson, Payback. This time he stays dead. Wrong answer. <laughs> okay. Payback. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember liking either version of this movie, but uh, mm. this is. I like the theatrical version well enough, and I still have not seen the director's version. That's right. Because, yeah, there was there was behind the scenes foofaraws, Kerf- a kerfuffle even. Uh, so much drama. Oh Tell us the tea. Well, because because <laughs> Mel Gibson, he's. Will Smithy, and he has that power to kind of shape a film to his liking, mm-hmm. which is why he gets tortured in every film because he loves Jesus. Uh, mm. I'm guessing it just it hmm. happens in every film. Okay, did, did Jesus have an? Was there an issue with Jesus a cement floor, his feet, and a hammer? Because <laughs> that happens in this I mean, movie. It is very hard to watch. The the theatrical cut. So I yes, mean, the, yeah. the rumor was it was the directorial debut of who Diana. Uh, Brian Helgeland, who Brian is a Helgeland. co-writer on uh, LA Confidential. So he's he want, he's got he's got a green light for this movie, Payback with Mel Gibson, and Mel Gibson, not not fresh off his Best Picture Oscar win, but I can see how Pretty he gets. I know what I'm doing here, kid. Step yeah. aside. Uh, starts throwing his weight around and changes the tone of the movie a little bit. Hmm. And to emphasize that, if you want to emphasize that for yourself, there is a movie released in 07, I think. Mm-hmm. I only know that because I have it on HD DVD. Uh, payback straight up where they remove the weirdo color filters from the movie and put in more instances of violence because Mel Gibson 
I think shot 10 minutes of reshoots of like making his character more likable, dare I say, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's different. And I like it's the first fucking scene and he just bam smacks this woman that doesn't exist in the theatrical cut. Uh, but I don't know. I don't love either of them. I would never make it a point to rewatch either of these. They're like, uh, they're, they're trying to bite that uh, Tarantino, Elmore Leonard yeah. style, and they just don't quite it get just there for me. It doesn't do it for me either. It, it, yeah. It's one of those movies I where he's like, is this the 70s or not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. He dresses that way and talks that way in a weird way. Yeah. Why is everybody's lapels go out to their shoulders? That's true. <laughs> uh, hmm. But that happens That's in the is it, is it an homage? Because this is large. Well, the first half, at least, is, is totally a remake of Point Blank mm-hmm. uh, with Lee Marvin, which. Yeah, I could see you wanting to soften that character if you're Mel Gibson, even though the tagline, I do love the tagline, get ready to root for the bad guy. Mm. And I, I, um, I think the theatrical cut makes it easier cute. to do that. It really does. Mm. But uh, it wasn't the movie the writer or director intended. And it's just odd mm. that, yeah, we find new ways all the time that Mel Gibson sucks. But yeah. <laughs> here's yeah. a new one but, in case you we- missed it. Overall, yeah, overall, I, I enjoy this. I thought it was watchable. Um, you can, It does feel like there is some, like, editing stuff together because Lucy Liu is credited pretty high, and she's got, like, two scenes. Yeah, yeah that's she's true. barely in this movie. So, I, I mean, is she in the in the, the director's cut more? Does she get a subplot or something? Because she's just like, well, why are you even here? Oh, yeah. you know who is dope in the movie, though? James Coburn. Mm-hmm. James Coburn is pretty dope. James Coburn is fucking fun because I, like I haven't seen. I, I don't know his entire body of work, but I just haven't seen. He gets to be have all the funny lines, mm. and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. He's so old and serious. I love that dude. Hmm. Uh, wait, were they both in Maverick together? No, wasn't Are he the sheriff who turned James? No. It's not James Garner in James Garner is definitely it? in Maverick. Okay, but I think James Coburn is as well. It doesn't matter. I'm Maverick. Them. Maverick is a much better movie. Watch that instead of Payback. How about that? Is it? I think so. I yeah. love Maverick. Really? That's okay. Really oh good. yeah, James Coburn is. Yep, that is James Coburn. Yeah. In the uh, in Maverick. Yep. Yeah, he turns man. Come on, I remember Maverick like the back of, back of my goddamn hand. Wow. Um, Did not expect such. That's why Jodie Foster always okay. comes to Mel Gibson's defense. He's right. willing to cast uh, him and stuff. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to television of 1999. This is a really exciting week because mm-hmm. we get the debut of three new channels. Ladies and gentlemen, <gasps> the Preview Channel has officially become the TV Guide Channel. Yay! Oh, as the prophecy foretold. Okay, children. I I kind of feel bad about, you know, the big corporate guy coming in and closing up that mom and pop preview channel. That mom and pop Mm -hmm. useless utility channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I love love it. I swear. I say this all the time. I feel like a millennial. And then I realize uh, I had to watch the preview channel on a black and white television. So I probably don't qualify. But just a year. Mm-hmm. But it's such a bizarre thing to think about. No digital cable. No way to search what's on TV on your phone. There was a right. fucking channel that at like one mile an hour scrolled through everything that was coming on on every channel in the last 90 minutes. If you The dog barks like, shut up, sassy. They, oh, I missed it. <laughs> oh, I got to sit here and wait for the crawl to come back around. Wait a minute. Okay, so oh, do you no. remember the newspaper inserts? Yes. That would be like, it's not the TV guide that that's mm-hmm. separate. but It's like the, the new- store, the supermarket TV Guide. Not that. TV Guide magazine. The thing that come d- yeah, that yeah. came in your ma- your newspaper. <laughs> yeah. In the seven in the Sunday paper. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was like that, a magazine. Did that have like 24 hours of program or is it just prime time? Would it I tell you? You're right. I don't I don't I'm remember. Trying I, to remember. I think they cut off at like 2 or 4 cuz at the time most channels did. Some channels yeah, still do. That's probably true. And then they would like list at like, you know, 3 um, bikini car wash adventures coming on HBO. That would come out on the weekends and or on Sunday and then every 
day in the daily paper, mm-hmm. like in the lifestyle section, they would, I think they would just do the primetime listings. Get this lady. Yep. They still do. What? Yes, they do. Seriously? They still do. Absolutely. There's still a TV guide in the newspaper. Oh, it's got to be like two pages with all the channels that exist now. <laughs> That's crazy. It is like, it is, it is unreadable. It just, to me now, it just looks, I used to pour over that shit to figure out what I was going to watch. Now I just see this giant mm-hmm. Excel sheet of yes. choices. Like, uh-uh. Don't look it's at this like Netflix effect, but all in one piece of paper. Oh, it's, <laughs> Pretty sure that I'm pretty sure our paper still does. Okay, uh, but that becomes the TV Guide channel as as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV Guide magazine, and even more bizarrely, the Preview Channel initially started running ads mm-hmm. like over this. Again, I call it a utility mm-hmm. channel. It's yeah. it's it's just telling you the weather. Essentially, the weather of television. And well, no, I think it also had the actual weather sometimes. It did, yeah. and, and then and then it just started adding TV shows. So for some mm-hmm. reason, people could watch a sitcom. Like on, I feel like it defeats the purpose. In the top right oh, corner of the of the scroll of a TV schedule. I don't understand that at all. I don't think I ever saw that. I saw a lot of commercials. I would see trailers for what was going to be on, like the pay per view. Don't recall like you could actually just sit there and oh, Mama's family's on in a quarter of my screen. Mm-hmm. I only know that because the oh. the funniest person who completely disappeared from my world only to a. a only to finally emerge 20 years later, uh, John Henson, mm-hmm. second host of Talk, Talk Soup. Right. Left Talk Soup, did something that didn't work out, and he had a show on the TV Guide channel. Yeah, they started having original programming. They did. <laughs> they did. It wasn't they... just reruns of Fresh Prince. Oh, oh nope. the bat phone's ringing. Hello. But yeah, the preview channel, RIP. I should have looked at whether TV Guide channel still existed, because I kind of bet it does. I think it does. I think it probably does. Oh, I'm sure it does. It doesn't make much sense in terms of modern television. I think once you get original programming, it's hard to, you know, go back from that. Do you have to have a cable box now if you have cable? Unclear. I do not know how this works anymore. No. You you can still get over-the-air channels. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like like digital now, but they did that conversion that we'll talk about in a couple of years, I guess, but... So you can't use you have to need a you need a box to go between your old old ass rabbit ears and the TV. Okay. But yeah, you can you can still get some TV without Oh no, I know cable. I know that. I just do you need a cable box to get cable nowadays. Yeah. There used to be like you could get digital cable mm. was the one that required a cable box, otherwise you just plug the coaxial in the back of the TV. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you get that's every, a good point. Uh so I, that's what I don't know. I don't know. And that didn't I have channel know. listings. Uh look, I'm not gonna apologize for talking about this. This is Weirdly nostalgic, and I haven't yes, thought about it in a long right time. this is right in the wheelhouse of this show, for sure. And uh, if for mm-hmm. even more exciting debuts on television, oh, drum roll, please. New channels, HBO Family and Noggin. Okay, so that's not going to excite anybody. Mm. I can't think of any original no. programming on either channel yeah. that is truly noteworthy, but it was where Nickelodeon HBO stuff went to have a, another life. If yeah. you really, really liked watching the Wizard of Oz animated series on HBO, it's going to live over here now. How about that? Uh, Noggin was uh, shit. I don't know how to describe Noggin. Did we talk about Nick Jr. earlier? Oh, no, we, we talk about that later. It gets confusing, but yet another Nickelodeon channel, yeah, uh, popping up for kids and uh, both for kids. And here's something we missed uh, from last week, but it is completely worth talking about from creator Scott Adams. Don't tune out because <laughs> this is interesting. But co-created by Larry Charles, the guy who brought us uh, Seinfeld and directed Borat and Bruno. Mm. Adapt the comic strip Dilbert for television. <laughs> and it is mm. surprisingly fun. And it still is. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. I never watched it. And I I don't like I don't like uh, praising Scott Adams any more than, than any of you do. 
but uh Dilbert was one of the, if you when you're writing the story of the comic strips like Dilbert was one of those revolutionary comic strips it didn't look or sound like anything else it it actually made jokes every strip whereas yeah. uh, almost none of them do now well it was definitely a setting that was unique for mm. what we were looking at the comics page a workplace yeah. a workplace setting i'm trying to think of what else had that Hagar the horrible there you go <laughs> <laughs> all i remember is the goddamn duck with the helmet that but <laughs> It's a thing from Hagar. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Um, we'll go it's see it at cute. Universal Studios for some reason. There's yeah. giant structures <laughs> devoted to him, like Mort Walker creations like that. Yeah. I might be getting that wrong. But uh, Dilbert was not, it was definitely a decent comic. And the show go branches out from beyond uh, an office space drama. That's a teaser for later in 30, 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is it? It gets really surreal not on the level of like the clerks animated series but it leaves the office in ways that are absolutely insane and i I regret i rarely regret buying things on ebay but occasionally i go on there and look for animation cells like that are under 15 Mm dollars that's why i have all these cool things from a super marvel the super show a beautiful hand-painted cell that no one fucking wants or ghostbusters you can find them there right and the one i was going to get for somebody's birthday it was Stone Cold Steve Austin on Dilbert's wow. uh, The Animation Cell. <laughs> and he's on trial. So, like, oh. why didn't I fucking buy that? I regret it so goddamn much. But it also had one of the most amazing voice casts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had yeah. we had Daniel Stern as Dilbert, doing his full-on Wonder Years. Uh, Chris Elliott as Dogbert. Larry Miller as the pointy-haired boss. That's really what he's called. Uh, Kathy Griffin as Alice. Uh, and Tom nice. Kinney as Ratbert. And a bunch of crazy guest stars. And I have a little clip here to emphasize what kind of humor you're looking at with the Dilbert cartoon. You may have heard that our company has been accused of unethical business practices. Is it because of the falsified product safety tests? Is it because of the false stories planted in the media about our competitors? Is it because of our crime family connections? What? Are you saying those things are unethical too? Uh, This thing is just snowballing. Ah, the heck with it. Senior management has decided to confront this head-on and deal with the ethics problem directly. They're surrendering to the authorities? One might think that, but one would be wrong. No. They're sending all employees to mandatory ethics training classes. Including managers such as yourself, correct? No. Uh, sure, that wouldn't be very managerial, would it? Correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't every ethics violation in this company been perpetrated by managers? Yes, but the point is managers are far too important to waste their valuable time taking worthless classes. Yes, if you've ever been in a sexual harassment awareness program uh, where the boss who started everything was not present for, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I thought that would appeal to you. Uh, Suck it to the man. So this lasted two seasons, 30 episodes. It is all on YouTube because nobody cares about it. And nobody really saw it. It it followed Shasta McNasty on UPN. And not UPN programming survived. No, this was a cute show. I mean, yeah, it's sort of it's not anyone's favorite show Mm -hmm. of all time, but yeah, this is like a solid B plus show. It was Mm -hmm. better than I expected it to be. It was a lot of fun. I think it's really Can I interject about the preview channel for a second though? Oh yes. Okay, so I just went to YouTube and typed in preview channel. No. And uh there are hundreds. Oh my god. the top one has tw- is an hour and a half long. It has twenty two thousand views, and 
I know exactly where this is coming from. It says from Sunflower Cable Vision, Lawrence, Kansas, May 23rd, 1990, mistakenly recorded by my mother. Oh, <laughs> that, that happened to me all the time. Oh, that's so cute. It yeah. was usually my fault. I was trying to come up with a way to tape something off of cable. And then like I put it on the on channel three, which you're supposed to do. And but that was also our, t- our preview channel. And I would end up just recording the preview channel for an hour. Oh, man. That's so weird. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, was, oh, that tickled another weird nostalgia spot. There was also no rhyme or reason to what channel the preview channel was on. Yeah. Because ours, it was like channel oh, no. 18. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, like what ours, it was in the teens. Just in the sure. middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do want to say, if you want to get real nostalgic for it, I'm never going to be able to burn this anywhere else. There's a reference to it in the menu of the Wayne's World Blu-ray and DVD. They have a little preview channel wow. thing and how, it's how you select features and it cool. shows what's coming on in Aurora and all that stuff. Yes, that's what it's referencing, awesome. the preview channel. If you have Wayne's World on Blu-ray, did I, if you have Wayne's World on Blu-ray, I don't have to fucking describe the preview channel, yeah, I you think old you know. asshole. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash laser time after I just called all of you assholes. Um, <laughs> if I could be even more uh, comedically indulgent, here's something I really do like. On February 6th, Little Chris is turned on to his... I'd say favorite comedian of all time, mm-hmm. uh, George Carlin. And my favorite, nice. absolute favorite special, and it is my first, but I've gone back to everything over and over again. And this one is just, it's meaner. A lot of stuff has been co-opted <laughs> by uh, people I don't care for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about the pussification of people and dumb kids' names, and you're not in, it's a club, and you're not in it. And yeah. it's, there's a bunch of weird conspiracy memes that have George Carlin's in it, I hate that. Uh, but what I really like is he <laughs> gave me, he helped me to find my cynical worldview on uh, business relationships, like the one scene in Dilbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a mm. very long 30 minute routine on bullshit. Mm. Uh, and that uh. ends with 10 minutes, unlike anything I had ever seen on television before. As a budding atheist, agnostic, I'm not saying that I don't have any pride in not believing in anything. It's right. just that, like, I was also going to church and around a ton of Christians, like, I don't know if I believe, but I've never heard television or anybody deny the existence, the validity of religion. I'd never seen that before, Mm -hmm. ever. I didn't know it was an option. And so to end George Carlin's bit about bullshit, uh, he says this. But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe, in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day and the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do and if you do any of these 10 things he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time but he loves you Sorry, all this. He's so fast. All this hit. Well, he has like he's he's like a comic of the sixties and seventies. So he has like 
a beat, po- a rhythm, to, yes. like a, a kind of a melodic mm-hmm. nature to how he talks. And I, yeah. I, I cherish few things more than like being in Vegas and like George Carlin is here. Don't care how much the tickets are. I was overdrafted my account, broke for months, uh, and got to see him live. And he was such a pro. He kept apologizing like for reading off his notes because like I would never do this, but I'm trying. I'm just starting this material. He had to mm-hmm. explain to like my first on stage explainer of how stand ups actually work was yeah. from George Carlin. It's not fair. Uh, I'm saying not fair because I grew up in a town with a no comedy clubs. Anyway, George yeah. Carlin's You Are All Disease, his 10th HBO special airs this week and I couldn't be happier about it. It's one of my favorites. I thoroughly encourage you to go track it down. There's not a lot of uh, timely things in mm-hmm. it at all. And last but not least of this week in television, we have... <laughs> Carlin would have so much to say about this. Uh, yes. The miniseries The 60s starring Josh Hamilton, Julia Stiles, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. He was the, he so... was the original baby boomer hater. That's right. He was. Mm. They took all the yeah. drugs, bought all the shit. Yep. <laughs> and he said that he was criticizing yeah, them as so... someone older. I know. <laughs> uh, but go ahead, Diana. Sorry. Yep. Uh, so, and then Forrest Gump out of Forrest Gump. Hmm. <laughs> Fill it with cliches and stereotypes. Jerry O'Connell's clean cut, and he's joining the army to go to Vietnam to fight for America. What do you think he's going to be like towards the end of this? Is he going to be bearded, still wearing his army jacket, and like burned out man? Because yeah. they didn't tell you what it was going to be like, man. I've seen it. I think he's going to wheel into his parents' house and scream penis over and over again. Sorry, that's one of my favorite okay. scenes from Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, it's it's yes. a reference for no one. We'll be getting we'll to, that get to later. talk about it this year, yep, actually. Yep, oh, really? Yeah, to that. Oh, mm. gross. Oh, yeah. I can play the penis yeah. clip, though. It's, mm. fu- it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's stupid. It got terrible reviews, but it's just, it's it feels like a parody of itself. I kind of appreciate it. Like, the ad is exactly what I expected it to be and exactly what it is. It started as a decade of innocence. How do I look? And overnight, it became the decade of change. NBC presents the movie event of a generation. I'm going to Vietnam. Do you really think they want to see black men free? The decade that moved us, shook us. It's I want his name now. And ultimately brought us back together. I'm sorry, King. Don't you want I don't, I don't care I for like, this Jim Carrey cover. I feel like it doesn't make sense. Ultimately brought <laughs> Thanks, us back together. <laughs> <laughs> for the 70s, where we all got hammered and did the ton of cocaine. everyone was cool again. Yeah, disco, baby. <laughs> no, it's like the 60s are extraordinarily important. Right. Unfortunately, now yeah. when you Google the 60s miniseries, you get the CNN series. Yeah. Where they actually like talk about important shit much instead better. of making it up. Oh, come on. So many. I really I want to know the figures. How many boomers were square losers who didn't protest for anything? Yeah. Who liked things the way they were. Who <laughs> voted for Nixon? I'm going to say more than would like. Y'all liars. Yep. Yeah. Man, you think people were ashamed to vote for a president back in the day? Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I know, I I'm not throwing know. shade in the 60s. Voting I, for a president who was like, uh, said one thing and did another and imperious in his use of power. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Dog whistled a lot for the racists in the South, especially. <laughs> I, I don't mean, I'm not, I don't mean to throw shade at the 60s because like I can't think of a more tumultuous time in American culture other than right now no. in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. look into it. It's fucking nuts. But, like, I remember showing this to my dad. Like, you want to watch He's like, this looks fucking stupid. No. Yeah. Not watching this. <laughs> even even he was like, this is, this is, it's like Wonder Years for only adults, but it's rated G. 
It's stupid. Mm, yeah. It's stupid. No one. No one's going to smoke. Nobody pot. wants that. <laughs> Uh, but yes. Yeah, oh so, my God, you're right. It's network television. I don't yeah. think they're allowed to show them Smoking even having pot. it near the like they're holding it and they cut away before it gets to their mouth, kind of thing. You're high, man. Shut up. You're high, man. You said you were gonna quit marijuana. You're addicted. Like uh, it's probably a scene just like that. I have yeah. I have not seen this. Yeah, that's probably word for word. Uh, <laughs> fuck, fuck the show. Of the '60s is what we're saying. Uh, as we move out of TV altogether sure. into into a tiny little uh, bookend cult books. A little book segment. <laughs> a little book segment. <laughs> so yeah, um, on uh, February first, nineteen ninety nine, uh, kind of a big book for a lot of young people came out. The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Ooh. Stephen Jabosky. Huh. Um, it's a it's a short little book. It's epistolary in nature, which means it's all letters huh? oh. written by um, this young man, a a high school freshman who kind of can't really fit in doesn't really know where he fits in in his high school he's not really like you know a jock or a nerd or whatever and he finds this group of slightly older kids who kind of show him you know how he can be himself and not have to you know necessarily conform to what hmm. the greater population is doing it's kind of a big deal hmm. for a lot of kids who felt like they didn't fit in in high school um i know i read it when i was Wonder what that's like. Yeah, right. I would have no idea. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people I know our age read it and felt less alone because of it. And it, you know, it deals with like a lot of hard stuff, like domestic violence um, and oh. and homosexuality and self harm and a lot of stuff that teenagers deal with. And this is kind of the first time I saw something like that treated seriously um, and mm. not in a. <laughs> salacious sweet valley high sort of way sweet valley <laughs> high reference yeah Go um so but also on the same day the testament by john grisham came out and i don't know if you guys have talked about john grisham that much but no. i mean i think we all Not know that he's like when the guy biggest... wrote the da vinci code nope you're thinking um, of dan brown no. but john grisham was huge during the 90s mm. and i think all mm -hmm. of our parents were pretty into him and i read a lot of his books but it when I saw this was coming up, I thought it's been like at least a decade since the last time I'll re I read one. Let me just check out this one just to kind of see. And it's freaking good. I mean, like John Grisham kind of gets um, criticized for being like populist kind of pap. And, you know, he's in every disposable airport. Reads. Yeah, he's in every air, mm -hmm. you know, airport. But honestly, it's because he's a fucking good writer. And I mean, I'm always a little skeptical with these very prolific writers if they have a team that's doing I mean, this. I mean, I lived through the him, entire reevaluation of Stephen King. Yeah. Like where everyone hated him in the late 80s, early 90s. And right. thought anybody who writes that much sucks. Like, eh, looks like you guys were sleeping on some bunch of cool shit and Stephen King knew it was up. Right. And he's going he's gonna to be the new Marvel of movies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, John Grisham was with legal movies. I right. mean, almost all of his books have been turned into a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but this particular one is pretty great. It's about a very rich billionaire who uh, commits suicide and leaves behind a will that disavows all of his children and instead hmm. leaves his entire fortune to a daughter that nobody knew about who is actually a missionary uh. in Brazil in, like, the jungle. And so his attorney has to go and find her and kind of go on this epic boat ride, you know, trying to find her. And he gets sick, and she's living with a bunch of indigenous people. It's it's fantastic. It's really interesting. And then, meanwhile, back in America, all of his kids are, like, fighting out this huge probate war. And probate law 
from what I understand, seems pretty boring. <laughs> like, Will's, mm. it's not very sexy, it doesn't sound like, but uh, it's, he does a good job with it, so I recommend. Uh, hard pivot into video games of 1999. There's one notable release out on February 1st to the 7th. Uh, WCW Nitro, which I have nothing cool or fun to say about, but I wanted to play a nostalgic commercial since we spent so long talking about the preview channel. I think I'm <laughs> entitled to this. Yeah. Featuring over 35 of your favorite WCW and NWO superstars, one and two player tag team action, and secret run in characters, all on Sony PlayStation. It's WCW Nitro. Call 1 800 WCW 8681 or send $49.95 plus shipping and handling to the address on your screen. Also, wherever video games are sold. Right, so go oh pick it up. God, where I'm going to mail order this game. To Tampa. Sorry, no <laughs> I, I feel so old when I see shit like this. This yeah. is the only commercial That's that exists crazy. for this game, and it, it obviously aired on WCW uh, Wrestling Television on TNT, but like the idea of, you want this game bad, don't you? Yeah. Bad! 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 All right, allow four to six weeks, mm-hmm. and we want you to ship cash. Yes. <laughs> ship us some or cash money to order. Tampa. Or money order. <laughs> Shipping cash. I feel like I'm going to be telling my grandkids about yeah, that. $58. $58. To a P.O. box mm. in Tampa. Would you like to pay an extra eight bucks for WCW instead of buying it at Walmart? Yes. <laughs> uh, it's so fucking strange Good to me. Lord. They also have a website on there, though, so maybe wow, you can get it from there. For 99. Yeah, that's pretty Even advanced. Yeah. Yeah. No, one, no one would accuse of WCW being off its game in 1999. Uh, but speaking of 1999, we got to close that shit out. And we're going to do it right with Blondie's Maria off of No Exit. That mm-hmm. song's pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Stay right there, people. We will see you once again in 2009. It's 2019, people, and you should resolve to sleep better. Yes, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfy. That's why we're sponsored today by Casper Mattress, the ultra-comfy, hyper-affordable, hassle-free mattress. And you will not believe how little they cost and how easy it is to ship to you for free. Better still, you can get $50 towards any new mattress by visiting caspertrial.com slash laser time. Rest assured, seriously, uh, the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make, make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Plus, Casper offers affordable prices because Casper cuts out those middlemen and sells directly to you. Big box stores are going to want to sell you a mattress for thousands of dollars, but Casper starts at much less, around 500 They're offering two mattresses right now, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, whereas the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. There's a reason Casper is the internet's favorite mattress, because you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free trial. Sleep on it for 100 nights. Don't like it? They'll come get it, dispose of it, give you a full refund as if it never happened. And yes, shipping and returns are free to U.S. and Canada. So once again, to get $50 towards any new mattress, visit caspertrial.com slash laser time. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week, February 1st or 7th, I got a bunch of, like, weird little recommends. I don't know. Like, none of them are, like, really hard recommends, but we have a whole bunch of movies to talk about that are pretty interesting. 
Let's start 75 years ago this week. Uh, February 3rd, 1944, saw the release of The Fighting Sullivans, which is the fictionalized account of the Sullivan brothers, who is basically what uh, Saving Private Ryan is based on. They were five brothers who all joined the Navy. They got to serve together on one ship, and then what happens when that ship sinks? Yeah, families wiped out. So now the U.S. Army and Navy and uh, other services don't let um, family serve together just in case that sort of thing happens again. But so they they made a movie about you know their their brave sacrifice and. That's what they're trying to prevent in Saving Private Ryan. It took them like barely a year to make a movie about him. It's pretty nuts. And then speaking of the war, uh, 1944, January 5th, uh, <clears throat> 1944, February 5th, uh, the very first film version of uh, Captain America comes out. There's a serial where Captain America punches a bunch of Nazis and yeah, mostly like Japanese spies played by Chinese actors. And uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing that it took a... Uh, what, three and a half years, I think, before they started to, uh, you know, actually use them in a film. So, happy 75th birthday film version of Captain America. Uh, I'll get to the movie I guess I'll recommend this week, which is the Orson Welles, Joan Fontaine version of Jane Eyre, which is is a pretty solid, spooky version of Jane Eyre. Um, I like it. I think Orson Welles fits uh, the character pretty well. I mean, it's not a hard recommend, but it's a, it's a light recommend if, if you're into Jane Eyre. Then, 50 years ago this week, um... I did not even realize that Kick Out the Jams by the MC5 was released in 1969, 50 years ago this week, because it is so proto-punk, it sounds like it's from 10 years later. So if you're into punk, and especially you want to know where punk comes from, check it out. That it's released within a couple weeks of Zeppelin 1 is like such a huge shift in music, like holy crap. And then finally, 1969 again, 50 years ago, February 2nd, Boris Karloff passed away. He was 81, so if you haven't seen any Boris Karloff movies, Dude, come on, man. This is cla classic horror, man. Go watch The Mummy or Bride of Frankenstein because he's like, he's such a weird looking dude, but he's also like a good actor. But then so he didn't get used as much as he should have. But I, I love The Mummy. I actually prefer it to Dracula. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. Talk about where I do without this old smile falling in and out of love, ashamed and proud of together all the while. You can never say never while we don't know it, but time and time again, younger. Welcome to 2009. If you're hearing that music, it is not a new promo for HBO Sunday Block. It is actually <laughs> just the fray. Never say never off their second, their self-titled second album. You should not have a second self-titled album, Weezer. Self-titled second album. Second album. Hmm. Yeah, I can barely yeah. read. Or Zeppelin. Did that four times. Yeah, god damn it. Uh, well, welcome to 2009, everyone. February 1st through the 7th. That is the music bringing us in because it is from this week in 2009. There's other releases to talk about. Uh, my parents' favorite band, Cannibal Corpse, uh, <laughs> has Evisceration Plague out this week. Uh, Feel That Fire by Dirk Bentley 
and the Von Bondi's final album, Love, Hate, and Then There's You. But of course, My Life Would Suck Without You by Kelly Clarkson, which we played last week, is still number one. Let's get into a little bit of news for 2009, February 1st to the 7th. There is a bunch of stupid stuff that I grabbed. Let's start out the least dark. Um, starting at the least dark, my, well, no, this is not the least dark. MySpace <laughs> claims it removes 90,000 sex offenders from its platform. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, no one's ever made that proclamation ever again. Well, are they like cross-checking it with databases? Like, how are they? Uh, yeah. Maybe behavior. I don't know. Like, I just saw this in the news and like, Facebook's never detailed how many pedophiles it's kicked off before. Yeah. Is it all or none? And it just, it makes my head spin just thinking about it. This is like such a great combination of good news, bad news. Like yeah. the good news is they're gone. <laughs> the bad news is you had 90,000 90, sex offenders. 90,000. They all could have attended the Super Bowl. It's, I just, yeah, I just wish I had more details on this. Like how do they know they're sex offenders? Did they cross check something? Are they just creepy dudes? <laughs> like what's up? You can probably tell I from mean, their top if, eight. Yeah. If you kicked every creepy dude off of MySpace, how, who's left? Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Speaking of creepy dudes, uh, this week is the official 10-year anniversary of Joaquin Phoenix announcing his very real retirement from acting to focus on a solo hip-hop career. It was not a joke, and we will not have a Letterman clip for you to play for you next week as mm. a result of Joaquin Phoenix's <sighs> very, very factual uh, career change. Also out this week, uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this Icelandic That's name. That's why I gave you that fun look at the beginning of this, because I was Yo just waiting. Johanna <laughs> Sigurdardatur becomes PM in Iceland. Uh, That's wor- pretty close, actually. The world's first Sig- open... Sigurdardatur? Yeah. Uh, more like dot queer, because she's the world's first open <laughs> lesbian leader. Yeah. For real? Yeah. Go Iceland. Yeah, you are ahead of the head of the curve, Iceland. And well, uh, openly. Openly. Oh, there's been a lot there's of There's no telling. That's true. That's true. We probably had several lesbian presidents just weren't open about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the seventh uh, on the seventh of Feb. Oh boy. Ten years there ten year go. anniversary of Chris Brown and Rihanna are in a limo leaving a Grammy party. She catches him texting another woman, and when she wouldn't drop it, he starts punching her. He claims she was violent with him first, but regrets losing it and punching her. He pleads guilty to assault and receives five years probation. And that's about it. I I'm I'm sort of astonished in the, the, the age we live in that Chris Brown is still allowed to like do shit and perform and be on yeah. be on the radio. Yeah. But, he's had a bunch of violent incidents since then. I mean, he was just again accused of rape, which got dropped, and mm-hmm. then he started like being a giant jerk about it. Like it's funny. I think he countersued the lady attacking uh, who uh charged him. it's like, dude, you you got a big pile of problems already. And I don't care if she's slapping at you or kicking at you or whatever. You, you don't close your fist. So that's what I have to ask. No, matter what, is no he, matter what gender you are, I should mention. And I'm barely. Yeah, I'm, oh, she's hitting him. That's abuse too. Yeah, it fucking is. But you don't get to punch back. I'm barely kidding we, about this. Is he that we've talented? Seen those photos. No. It, it was pretty bad beaten. He's an immensely talented. No. Artist performer. I don't think so. I mean, I've seen because because that's what I was gonna say. I mean. Look, look. I don't have any business with Chris Brown anymore, but the rest of the world doesn't seem to have a problem with it. And also, look, the music industry, we have a long history of letting dudes get away with just hitting girls and Mm -hmm. still supporting them and listening to their music. I mean, hello, John Lennon. Hello. uh, No, but like, this has crept up far enough to get to R. Kelly and Chris Brown. Like, did you see those pictures of Rihanna on National Treasure? One (laughs) might think... Things haven't gotten much better. <laughs> no, I, I swear, I think it, I think it's the people who love him love him that much. It's too hard to too hard to assess this other stuff. That's my speculation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the people who love him love him that much, and also 
hate women that much. Maybe because the people who make I money think they're rationalizing. They're like, oh no, she she hit him first. Oh no, that yeah. other driver was mean to him. Oh no, they that guy was rude. But yeah, it's I mean, if this were like the one only time he'd ever been violent, he's like 20 at the time. I'm like, okay, learn your lesson, get therapy. But no, it's like up. There's a pattern of violence with this dude. Okay, <laughs> maybe we can bring it back. Bring the mood back up with the movies of uh, 2009. February 1st to the 7th. Uh, I I feel like I saw this, but I know I didn't because I confused it with like nine other movies. Like role models. Mm-hmm. Jay Burchell, Dan Fogler, Sam Huntington, uh, Chris Marquette, and Kristen Bell in Fanboys. Featuring Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Darth Maul, Shooter McGavin, the warehouse guy from The Office, the guy from Tropic Thunder, Jay, the guy from Die Hard 4, the hot chick from Sin City. And Captain James T. Kirk. Friend of yours? Fanboys. Oh, come on! Quick, into the garbage chute! I have a bad feeling about this. You guys don't think that the, um... We are in George Lucas's trash room. The walls are not gonna close in on us. Oh, silliness Aww. abounds. I Now I kind of want to see, because I've seen... I thought this was the movie about the premiere of Star Wars in 77. Mm. I think that... No. That may have been... The, but there may have been, There were, like, two of those, and one was called Fanboys. Mm-hmm. There's that other movie about Trekkies where they meet William Shatner in the right. movie. Oh, right. And Free Enterprise. Free Enterprise. That, that's what it that is. That was pretty bad. Uh, well, how was this one? Did any of us get it's, to see this? It's okay. It's kind of cute. Um, I mean, the, the basic idea, which they don't sell very well in the trailer, so I just played the fun part, is that it's 1999 mm-hmm. and their friend is dying. And they don't think he's going to make it to get to go see Phantom Menace. There hasn't been a remember there hasn't been a Star Wars movie in a really long time and oh, it's going to be so great. Oh, maybe he needs to see and so they go on this cross country trip to basically go break into Lucas's house and try to get the movie so that his their friend can see it before he dies. Yeah. Because they're all such giant fucking nerds. Boys, um, do you have a social media campaign. There's at least one headline <laughs> per big release of this happening right I mean, before somebody dies. There's plenty of room on MySpace now. They just <laughs> <laughs> They just did this with Smash Brothers and they did it they don't with every Marvel movie. Mm. They bring it to a dying kid who might uh, not make the premiere yeah. and they show it right, to Right, but this this is 99, you know, the internet I suppose. It's, it, that's when it's supposed to take place. It's 99. Yeah. We will get to talk about Phantom Menace. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Christ. Yeah, I got to start limbering up now. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's pretty cute. It is co-written by the guy who wrote Redder Player One. Oh. So I, that Prince seems Klein. to be his wheelhouse. It's not just a like, oh, he's just ripping off, you know, nerd culture. It's like, well, he's been doing nerd culture for a long time. Yeah, and it's like, it. I don't know, in, in a world of like, we're... Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith did mm. did a Ready Player One thing all the time, and everyone lauded him. And a few mm-hmm. years later, yeah. and I know there's other aspects to it, but uh, yeah, I can understand that being a it, being a former niche that we're all sort of growing out of. Where none of us are the same kind of geek, it turns out. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I generally hate movies that are like this is just like me and my friends. Like, <laughs> shut up! I'm just so sick of that. But I mean, yeah, it's cute. It is very cute, and it it does end. It's got a good last line. I'll give it that one where it's like because we're living in 2009 and we know how how phantom menace goes it, it just ends with the question of what if it sucks <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh, anything you can say for push uh but the novel i forgot this existed oh this yeah, is not the first too. precious uh adaptation no. okay no <laughs> 
With Dakota Fanning? Yeah, based on really, the novel Sapphire by Push. Really, Dakota Fanning yeah. getting out of her comfort Dak- zone? Dakota Fanning, Chris Evans, Camilla Bell, and Digimon Hanzo. I know that's not how you say his name, but I like saying Digimon. I see the future. Right now, our future isn't that great. Some people are born with extraordinary gifts. There's a secret organization who wants to turn them into weapons. We're going to create an army the world's never seen. You really think I'm going to let that happen? On February 6th, there will be no justice without one final push. Push. Rated PG-13. In theaters Friday, February 6th. It's the novel Precious by Sapphire. I can't <laughs> stop saying it. Uh, <laughs> it's based on the novel Tush by Assfire. What was that 30 rock? <laughs> Yes. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I never saw this. This is this is one of um, several hundred thousand movies from the two thousands about someone to be able to see in the future mm-hmm. and, uh, and playing a smack my bitch have, up knockoff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know like an X Men thing. I mean, I feel like I, the reason I forgot about this is because Jumper is like the same thing. Jumper. Right there, there you can teleport, and this I guess they have telekinetic powers. Mm. Okay, or maybe they all have Jumper. different powers like the X Men. I. I don't know. I want Jimon Hansu to have a better career because he's a fantastic actor and yeah. instead his job is to not know who Star-Lord is. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you're going to oh, love this, we, Diana. We, we got two Marvel guys together, though. We got, it's true. We got uh, Jimon Hansu and, uh, and Chris Evans there. Yeah, I have a feeling that's not going to be anything special as we move forward considering how many actors they have locked down to be in those films. You're always going to have two Marvel cast members in a movie. <laughs> Uh, let's see how Steve Martin figures into the MCU as we move forward. I know he just played Roger Stone on SNL, uh, but this one of Diana's favorite films, uh, Jean Reno, Andy Garcia, it's Pink Panther 2, ladies and gentlemen. On February 6th. Remember me? Inspector Crusoe. He's back. Ah, little piglet. You cannot beat up children and call them piglets. The world is changing so fast. The Pink Panther 2. Wait, PG. Man, all I want to do is is talk about Steve Martin, but Diana, get it out of him. No. (laughs) No, I I don't care. I don't care. Look, I like the the original Pink Panther movies well enough, especially the first two. The other ones decline in quality quickly. I, I have no interest in these remakes i just don't i think we already covered the first one i don't care yeah but this is like big this is big shit for steve martin and he's at this point he was always good for two i i grew up uh in a much smaller world of media but like it was robin williams and steve martin were one of those few things where like my parents loved them and i loved them Mm -hmm. and steve martin was a huge movie star in the 80s and Mm -hmm. and jesus i guess the 70s even though i wasn't around but and every time every time he'd have this career lull and like it's over no one gets to be a comedy movie star for that long and then steve martin just oh, bringing it bringing down the house becomes like this number one <laughs> yeah. hit for weeks and i think this is the last movie i can think of that steve martin starred in i didn't do any research on that but uh every time he looks like he's in something god awful like cheaper by the dozen yeah it's a huge success everyone loves it they make one that like everything the public is like no yeah. We can't do this again. Yeah. And, and no sequels, please. But he's always good for two. I say Steve Martin. He's got yeah. a lot of a lot of terrible twos. Uh, but <laughs> but Steve Martin is a movie star going into another decade. Like I still think that's amazing. I miss the guy a lot every time I see him in SNL because he just mm-hmm. I, I think it's he doesn't care to do shit like this. Why but should he? I think uh, to his discredit for Diana, he did make it a point to write these films, and he didn't. Steve yeah. Martin didn't often wow. write. Th- I love every movie Steve Martin wrote that he's in mm. except for this yeah 
I think he might be right for starring roles. Uh, after this, he's got It's Complicated, The Big Gear, Home, Love the Love the Coopers, Billy Lynn's Hoff, Long Halftime Walk. Those are all smaller roles. Yeah, were you sharing, yeah. This, sharing the for, screen with somebody? For yeah. being the name above the title, you're right. Gosh. Isn't that strange? I didn't strange. even think of that. That it, is weird. Yeah, we're 10 years we're ten years into a Steve Martin drought. Very strange. Uh, but I know we have a ton of great things to say about Ian McShane, Terry Hatcher, and Dakota Fanning once again. Coraline. Yeah. Coraline Jones always dreamed of finding a better world, but never imagined it would be in her own home. We've been waiting for you, Coraline. A place so perfect. I love your garden! It can't be real. <laughs> you probably think this world is a dream come true, but you're wrong. You're in terrible danger. From the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas. She's got this whole world where everything's better, but it's all a trap. How dare you disobey your mother? You aren't my mother. Coraline, rated PG. It's so love, good. Love, love, love Coraline yeah. so very much. I love this movie. So, I just want to throw in, so speaking of Dakota Fanning mm-hmm. and Push, if anyone wants to tell us that this is a hidden gem of a movie and you remember it and you love it, we haven't mentioned the comments. We put stuff in comments. We do a comments right. show. And I love when someone just shows up and is like, no, I mean, the marketing was bad and this movie is actually pretty good and <laughs> tells us why. Yeah, please do. So, but if you got anything bad to say about Coraline, get out. Mm. Get it out. is out. It is great. Coraline is Gorgeous mm-hmm. and terrifying. Yeah. Oh, intentionally it so. It is like Chilling. the scariest yeah. kids, quote unquote, movie I think I've ever seen. Well, that's that's that. I think that's the trade like who deals in. Pixar wants to make you cry, and yeah. like who pictures and Henry Selleck want to scare you. Mm-hmm. They followed up with Paranorman and the Box Trolls. These are oh, all like yeah, unsettling yeah. subject matter dealing with paranormal stuff that usually belongs in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. That they make this beautiful. It's such a perfect format, the stop motion format uh, for that mm-hmm. kind of content. But like. Visually, visually, I remember Coraline more than any of those movies. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't know exactly why, because they, they get the movies get more visually striking the longer they go. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. This just gels together with the story very well. I mean, I think it taps into a primal fear mm-hmm. of like your loved ones be, being imposters to you. Mm-hmm. Like I, because mm-hmm. I, I definitely love a good body had that too. Fear. Yeah, I had that <laughs> fear when I was a child. I remember. Like, what if my mom's not really my mom? Like, no. what if she's... Mommy's just had a few. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if she's, like, something else, you know? And I remember that being, like, a very visceral fear for me growing up. Uh, I don't know where I would have gotten that notion from. But, yeah, I think this Probably the faculty. Is, yeah. I'm sure I was watching the faculty back then. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie taps into that really well. And the right. book, this... too. I mean, the book is excellent as well. Yeah. Yeah, but by Neil Gaiman, yeah. uh, written and directed this time by Henry Selleck. Yes. Uh, you know, Mr. Leica, Nightmare... The actual, Who, uh, the actual director of Nightmare thank Before Christmas. You. Thank you. Thank you. He ne- Like, that wasn't even, like, anywhere on the poster of the box. It was just Tim Burton. Tim Burton, like, yeah. Tim Burton didn't direct shit. Huh. It's Henry Selleck, yep. goddammit. Uh, he's yeah. amazing. And Laiku is amazing. Do yourself a favor, watch one Laiku movie this week. And, and I, I, I've been having a ball with this, because, like, I, I became more aware of this situation, uh, that there are not a lot of big budget movies starring little girls mm-hmm. and as my friends mm-hmm. start to have younger daughters and I show them this movie it blows their fucking mind because younger girls I have no idea what's going on in their world but are all interested in like dark shit yeah like almost oh, yeah. all my friends daughters are like up under 10 are interested in ghosts and fucking monsters for mm-hmm. some reason yep. didn't predict that at all but when you show them this movie like 
this is exactly what I wanted. They fall in love with it. And it's just a great thing to see. Mm-hmm. I've showed it to like yeah. at least three friends' daughters and uh, with with wonderful reviews. Yeah. So it's about this kind of spooky girl mm-hmm. who's kind of unhappy, and then she finds uh, you know like a being John Malkovich doorway in her house mm-hmm. and goes through. And in the, there's another version of her house and all her friends and her parents and everything, and everything's great. And there's a circus with little dancing mice, and oh, it's so wonderful. Except everyone has buttons for eyes. <laughs> And then it gets scary. Thank you. I wanted you to distinguish it because I know Kingdom Hearts fans think they know what we're talking about. But it's not like that. Sorry, that's a that's a joke just for me and okay. my friends. Uh, <laughs> okay. that's uh, the buttons rise at first. Like, that's not that scary. Then, oh, God, then it is scary. And Terry Hatcher turns out to be a great voice actor. True. Hmm, really? Yeah, she does. I never would have guessed that's who plays mom. Yeah. She's freaking great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to watch this again right now. And and last week we talked about video games. Like I am immensely curious now. There are no good video games based on animated movies and haven't been for some time. But how how could this game look? I have to know now. Uh, Anyway, anyway, that movie didn't get to be number one, which I think is a grave injustice. (sighs) Said we get a. It looked really cool in 3D. I saw it in 3D. Mm. It looked neat. Whenever the tunnel would expand, it'd be like whoa. Uh, the movie that was number one this week, well, I guess the, the the cast should give you a little hint. Let's go backwards. Bradley Cooper, Kevin Connolly, uh, Gotti director Kevin Connolly, mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Goodwin, Jennifer Connolly, Justin Long, Scarlett Johansson, Drew Barrymore, Jennifer Aniston, and Ben Affleck in uh, He's Just Not That Into You. All my friends used to tell me these stories. I'm sure he just lost your number. He likes you too much. You're too pretty and too awesome. On February 6th, see the comedy that has girls talking. He's not interested. You're not supposed to say that. Guys worried. So we're friends. Yeah. You may be the best friend I've ever had. (laughs) And everyone laughing. You want a beer? Or an apple martini? He's just not that into you. Rated PG-13. Starts February... Oh, oh. Uh, I don't, this I don't. is a garbage movie full of garbage people. <laughs> how, how is it based on the book? I don't what? know. This is the weirdest journey to becoming a movie yeah. uh, I can think of. Right, from a very weird source. Like a comedian yeah, I, I knew. Greg Barrett, yeah. which well, blows I was, my mind. I called him a bro comic, and you corrected me. Like yeah. He's a SoCal dude. Yeah. But he wrote on Sex right. and the City, mm-hmm. so, and him and his wife wrote this book together, right? Right, based yeah. on part of something that happens in a script on Sex in the City, the idea of like that that women aren't really told that yeah, if a guy just doesn't call you back, it's not something you did. He's mm-hmm. just not that into you, mm-hmm. right? And women will just like, why didn't he call? Maybe it's because of this. There's no, it's just not that into no, you. No, because he can and text. Then they wrote this like little self help book about that. That's funny. Mm-hmm. And then they make that into a movie. And they make that it's into weird. a nonfiction book into a fictional movie with a yeah. to show you how well the book did. That's mm-hmm. why the cast is that vast because mm-hmm. everyone assumed. Yeah. Also, also, it's produced by Drew Barrymore, oh, okay. so she can bring in some folks. Yeah, okay. Because did this get a show as well? What was mm, Greg no, Barron's show Greg called? No, got a talk show. Yeah, but it wasn't like a Johnny Carson show. It was like no, a Doctor of Phil true. show. That's true. On during for, oh, what a for weird daytime space that he filled with yeah. that. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> Very, very strange. Um, yeah, this movie sucks. And <laughs> it just is shit. It just like really leans so hard into the all women want to get married and that's all we oh. want. And all men don't want to get married because they just want to have fun, fun, fun all the time. Actually, according to just this podcast, that checks up. <laughs> <laughs> that totally checks up. That's true. We're two women. We're both married. That that's is weird. true. 
That's true. But who are we married to? Yeah. Whereas I can't get men. a swipe on Tinder. Men. <laughs> mm. Dor- well, just not dorky, into you. dorky men. That's yeah. true. That's not true. I haven't met Sam. I'm sure he's a lovely person. My husband's <laughs> well, a dork. I mean, my, hu- cool. my husband went back and watched rewatched all of Columbo like two years ago. So <laughs> okay, that's, let's all that's make up our good. minds it's about a different, that. <laughs> different shade of dork. That, yeah. yeah. They don't have a fanboys movie yet. <laughs> right, right. There's no Kevin Smith for that world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, they should though. I want that really, so bad. Yeah, that's great. Like people throwing out Tom Clancy references. Yeah. <laughs> we need like a fanboys for like people who brought a briefcase to elementary school. <laughs> that is so specific, but oh, also I hate, exists. I hate to tell you this, but that's the Big Bang Theory. Oh. oh. No, it Sorry. makes sense. It all checks out, Sammy. Apologies. Boo. Well, anyways, don't see this movie. It's trash. <laughs> um, there's literally one redeemable character in this, I think, maybe. Who is it? Who? Anyway, we know. I can't even think of who it is now, but I remember thinking, okay, there's one person in this movie who's not terrible. I bet it's the dog that reacts to people falling down. Yeah. Is is there a sassy brunette friend? I think it's a sassy brunette friend. Yeah. Yeah, It's Mario Cantone. A couple of them. Yes. Oh, no. There is a gaggle of gay guys who- Oh, no. I think we've all seen- I can't remember if it was in this trailer or not, but the scene where it's like, my little sister told me that- Blah, blah, booty call on MySpace. They just like, it's not a joke. It's just a bunch of topical references in a sentence, ah. but it's said like it's a joke. That's Big Bang Theory. Yeah. <laughs> is is that the, what you call a group of gay guys? Is it a gaggle? It's a gaggle. That's, I don't know, like a murder of crows? Sure. I mean, that's loosely what I've I think it's a saunter. To. I feel like that's fair. The yeah. saunter of gay guys. I think we'll guys. get to it in a minute. Yeah, yeah. We We're going to talk about All a right. gaggle of guys on a show yeah okay yeah but let's transition over to television of 2009 february 1st to the 7th and i should have done more research on this but this does not matter it's just strange teen nick and nick jr are discontinued on nickelodeon but oh, nick jr going really? away is something we all sort of grew up with yeah it's since been reinstated it's okay. had a, it had a five-year break and all they did was take away the branding and keep the shows that were on nick jr you know because nickelodeon was playing more preschool Kindergarten-centric programming during mm-hmm. the day because kids mm-hmm. are at home mm-hmm. or at school, not at home. So they, they it skewed a little younger. Teen Nick is a block that I think was on Noggin. We're we are about to get into Nickelodeon launching a bunch of channels yeah, on the show. Because I was just about to ask. Mm. Well, we just saw the birth of Noggin. Was yeah. that? I thought Noggin was for babies. Uh, it was okay. It was, and I think that's why they kind of got Nick Jr. has a space somewhere. No, there's still there's a Nick Jr. channel on my on my sling. Well, then there's also Sprout. Yes. Which is also for babies. Yes. Is that Nickelodeon too? I don't think so. Why do all it, these babies have channels? And I don't know, but because <laughs> <laughs> they have a Nicktoon channel at this point, as yeah. well as like the Splat, which is like uh, old retro, like Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's wow. Modern Life kind of stuff. Uh, they TV have, Land is its own thing now. Like you can't even watch is. like the monsters anymore. Well, I think, and that's why in, in 09, it's like you can only go so far by branding yourself. All we do is play nostalgic shit. Like yeah. you're never going to pick up a new audience with that. You got to right. start like either moving this around in more delicate blocks or come up with some new stuff. So I think that's why, that's why Nickelodeon's doing that. I don't, I wouldn't want to be in Nickelodeon shoes in 2019. That's mm. all I'm saying. We make kids programming. Like mm. welcome to the club. Is yeah. Elsa pregnant mm. uh, on YouTube? Not watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Not watching yep. it. Two billion hits on Baby Shark. Two billion. <laughs> I still have not heard it. Yeah, you haven't? Nope. Oh, I've th- escaped it. Okay. I wow. mean, it's one of those like one of those hits is me because it's sheer curiosity. What the what the fuck is everyone complaining about Baby Shark? I'm like, oh wait, this is like a song I used to sing. It was Baby Joss then. 
I want to do branding. It's not as good as it used to be. So okay, I, never mind. I want to do my drunken adult cover that's just called Cuddy Sark. <laughs> slur myself all the way through it. Nothing will ever replace <laughs> Baby Beluga for me. I don't know what that is. It's Raffi. Oh, it's Raffi. It's Raffi. Yes. Yeah. Banana phones, Raffi. Uh, spoiler alert: We're not young at this point, we're so very we're, old. we don't. We're not going to be experts on Nick Jr. Uh, always loved, hated Nick Jr. Mm-hmm. But uh, on on the first of February. This should get everybody in. We have the superb owl. The superb yeah. owl. How dare someone accuse me of making a typo on Facebook when I wrote that? Superb owl yeah. is how I love saying it. It's just it's the a thing. Way. I'm not sure. You can enjoy the Super Bowl all you want. Let me enjoy saying the superb owl. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defeat the Arizona Cardinals, and that's good. Do we sure. care? I don't. I don't remember this it's, at all. It had been a while for the Steelers. The Steelers' heyday was sort of the '70s, so mm. it was pretty. It was nice. And Arizona Cardinals. Uh, just how old I am, I think of them as like an expansion team. It's like anything that anything from before like 1995, I think, is an expansion team, even though if they've been around for 30 freaking years. Yeah, I thought they were the Diamondbacks. <laughs> no, that's a different sport. I, I know. Anyway, uh, their halftime show. Who is there? Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. And I pulled a moment that this is purely visual, mm-hmm. but I still had to pull it because it's burned into my memory i think about it probably twice a month and so just (laughs) play it real quick and then you can describe what it is (laughs) (laughs) holy shit holy shit okay bruce springsteen does a relatively successful deep knee rock slide across (laughs) the stage but can't control his speed and so his dick takes out the cameraman (laughs) Uh, he, it is crotch first. Crotch first. I want to see that in yeah, 3D. It is. He has the goofiest dad grin on his he's face. So happy. And he basically just sexually assaulted a union cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> he's so happy. <laughs> he dick slapped America. Oh, I didn't get any Janet Jackson shit for, for that stuff. I mean. Oh, it's pretty amazing. It's this clip is only sixteen seconds long. It's, it's on beautiful. YouTube. His, we have to link it somehow. This dick because... knocks out the feed. Let's try and put under the page of uh, of this episode. Should it ever go up or live? Um, oh, Bruce. I just I think about that all the time. <laughs> I, I'm, I gotta put that. I think that's like the teaser on on Twitter now. It's like, what are we talking about next week? This. That is. That's, if we yes. were a video show, that would be our iris. Yes. That's. that's <laughs> Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> he's so uh, happy. He really That's is. The best part. He has this huge smile on his face. Yeah, as he slides in the kids. This is wonderful. You need to see it, folks. It's not the right medium for it. Uh, and also featuring what you called the best ad ever. Uh, the best ad ever. An, an ad that, yeah, I, I also think about it possibly... Possibly a monthly basis for yep. the last 10 years. <laughs> okay, I don't and even it's know what this is. the dumbest fucking thing ever, but All it right. makes me so happy. It's Nanopus! You can call me the Nanopus, Nanopus. And guess what? I love Isn't it time for a serious breakfast? This Tuesday, from 6 a.m. to 2, Denny's is giving a free Grand Slam to everyone. <laughs> this this was huge, I remember, with your husband in our wow. office. Nanopus. <laughs> oh, my God. Nanopus. Well, this is- this was one of the few years where, yeah, Michael sat down and actually watched some of the Super Bowl with me. <laughs> we just we just died. Because usually, like, they, they bust out the big, expensive ads. Mm-hmm. You know, this is 
you know, it's $3 million for 30 seconds. So you're just going to go like, everything's really big and expensive. Lots of guest stars. And this is a, a banana with two googly eyes on and fishing wire <laughs> yeah. sitting on top of a stack of pancakes. And they're just waggling his arms and one of his eyes falls off immediately. That's well, awesome. if, you, if you didn't hear the actual ad, I avoided writing this down while looking through the news of this week um, that what they're promoting is much bigger that mm -hmm. you get a free yeah. meal. Everyone in the country gets a free meal at Denny's. And yeah. I believe it cost Denny's uh, upwards of $5 million wow. to feed this many people for free after their yeah, Super Bowl. It was, it was kind of pandemonium that day. People had to take rain checks because there were just lines everywhere. Like, I just, I want my grandson breakfast. Which I don't get because, like, how are you going to, how are you going to bring people into Denny's with a free breakfast? Like, it's the worst version of breakfast yeah. ever. But Anytime. it's free. I know. But, like, isn't the goal to get people to eat here again? Like, oh, th that is not happening. I, I mean, will never eat here again. Any any free food thing, like free donut day at mm -hmm. uh, Krispy Kreme or anything like that, I just mm -hmm. learned my lesson. I just totally avoid. Cause it's like I, I love being able to say get that. The like, worst version of that. One dollar, I'm worth it. Yeah. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'll exactly. avoid the line. Also on uh, February first, it would be remiss if we didn't talk about every episode of The Office ever. <laughs> Whatever. This no, one's a well, much more this, special one. This one's so good, though. This is a good mm. one. I mean, this is such an embarrassment of riches. I mean, we get. I can't. I can't believe this is all happening on one one magical day <laughs> where we get Bruce Springsteen's taint and Nanner Puss, <laughs> and then Dwight Schrute pulling the face off a CPR dummy and wearing it like he's Hannibal Lecter. Yes. And also Angela throwing her cat up into the ceiling and then that cat falling down from the ceiling in a different place. It's it's very strange. When Take you, Snowflake! When you, when you watch that episode again, like on Netflix or in syndication, like, what the fuck is happening? This yeah. is the craziest episode. And like, at the time, like it's a, it's the office Super Bowl, but they better do something crazy, mm -hmm. and they did. It's mm -hmm. like one of the crazy craziest scenes ever filmed on that set, like the whole thing breaking yeah. down and everybody freaking out. It is crazy during the fire drill. Yeah, so yeah, it's actually called Stress Relief. It's a two part episode that aired after the Super Bowl. It starts mm -hmm. with uh, Dwight testing fire safety by setting the building on fire. Mm -hmm. That gives Stanley a heart attack, and then they have to try to not upset stanley and eventually they have a roast of michael scott and uh he doesn't know how to take insults to his face because they they, they don't it's they, they don't roast him they just tell him everything that they hate about him mm -hmm. <laughs> um but i mean the the scene where they have to learn cpr is one of my favorites and i thought about it when i had to repeatedly get recertified for cpr at my last job Every single time they're like, no, if you if you do 100 beats a minute, it's like to the to the uh, staying alive. It's just do it. Do it to that beat. And I just imagine, you know, huh. Kelly Kapoor just starts <laughs> dancing. Like, e -e 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 -e. I mean, you did see that recent news story, right? Yeah. Which recent news story? That some guy revived someone using CPR. He learned solely from the office. Yeah. Oh He's, my god! Yes, it's is, kind of amazing. It's uh, as reported by the Arizona Daily Star. <laughs> yes, uh, I never prepared myself for CPR in my life. I have no idea what I was doing mm -hmm. if not for this episode, The Office. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I would say, homie, uh, maybe don't talk about that. That seems very lawsuiting. <laughs> like, I don't know CPR. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're alive. Your your chest is caved in. Yeah, to the tune of staying alive. Uh. Uh, <laughs> well, apparently, if you're doing CPR right, like you should be cracking people's ribs. Like you yeah. gotta, you yeah. gotta do it really you hard do it to hard. get it going. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, let's hope that. Yeah, the CPR dummies, they have like a little clicker thing in them as you yeah. push really hard. And it's like, this is how hard you push. And it's like three pumps and you're like, oh, make it stop. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard. It is, it's a lot of upper body work. So, also, I have tiny noodle arms. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm built like Nanopus. <laughs> <laughs> no fishing string required. Oh. Um, but also, okay, do we got to, I got to back off for this because I want to hear Ooh, about this. Girl. What you is, got she mail. Widely considered by the majority of the show right now, the finest reality show, uh, maybe ever, but definitely mm-hmm. air, still airing right now, begins 10 years yep. ago. <laughs> I have not seen a single oh. frame of this television show, but Diana has oh, been life is praising it for it. years. I can't go watching a reality show now. Too much scripted stuff to watch. Dude, it's better well, than most dude, scripted it's, stuff. It's fascinating as a show because it is both a reality show that treats things very, very seriously, mm-hmm. but also is knows that this is patently ridiculous and is making fun of that. Mm-hmm. It does both simultaneously. Yep. It's- they know... All the reality show conventions, and they fuck with them. Yeah, and it's probably a good venue to do it because, like, whereas most reality shows are people behaving fake, like these are mostly people's alter egos yes. that they're playing to yes. the rafters on purpose. Yes, and would be whether there was a camera on them or not. Yes, <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. Yes, to all of that. Huh. It's like an amazing combination because, like, if you look at it just from a purely like practical talent aspect. And we talked about this a little bit on um, another show, but the the skill that goes into drag is unbelievable. These people have to yes. so make these costumes, <laughs> sometimes from scratch, the makeup, the wigs, not to mention the athleticism because there is a – the lip singing sinking part of it, which is the end of the competition usually – is very physical. I mean, yeah. it involves yeah. dancing. They, they got to be able drops. to dance. They have to be able to learn choreography. Mm-hmm. They got to do some acting. There's while, usually some singing. There's while they're 220 pounds on heels with a girdle on. Yes. That's yeah. a lot of weight to carry. I mean, around. if and you've tucking. ever seen <laughs> Bob the Drag Queen <laughs> jump into a full split, you know, you just have a whole Ooh. new, rea- like, you know, respect for the art. And I mean, it's been on enough years now that there are certain things, you know, every competition reality show, like mm-hmm. Top Chef has restaurant wars that happens mm-hmm. in every season. My absolute favorite is Snatch Game. Excuse me? Yes. yes. What? Snatch Game is so much fun. Does it involve it usually... Columbo's guillotine? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I want one of them to go as Columbo. That would be amazing. Yeah, or Snatch Peter Game Falk. is where they separate the, the men from the boys. A thousand percent. Or the ladies from the queens. It's so because... interesting to see who people choose because there's like a group of people who will choose like relevant topical like people to imitate so basically it's the match game celebrity impersonation but they also have to do fast jokes and improv where you know they get asked a softball question as this character and they have to come up with a funny answer right so it's already that's really hard to just be on the spot and be funny yeah but also you have to do it as a character which you also have to make yourself up to look like and Mm -hmm. and you know do the mannerisms and Oh, man, there have been some real good ones and there have been some train wrecks. Yeah, I mean, like, half of them will do, like, a topical person in the news recently. And then the other half will pick someone from, like, the gay canon, basically. Like, (laughs) 
you know, Oscar uh, Wilde, Barbara Streisand oh, or okay. something like that, you know? And so it's very interesting to see who picks what. Um, and now we're at a point where like we have these younger queens who are telling these older queens like, I've been watching you for like 10 years. And That's like, crazy. you know, and so now we have like a very interesting age dichotomy, especially in this most recent season, which is all stars. Um, but I also love the Snatch Game episode because it always opens with the mini competition of taking them to the library where basically, <laughs> oh my God, it's my favorite thing. Each queen gets up and holds up a pair of glasses and then reads every other queen to filth, which basically means makes fun of them so oh. bad. Now I'm in. Have to do, it would make a normal yeah, person. like have to would, do an insult comedy set. Yes. yes. They have to roast everybody. Yes. <laughs> it would make me cry if I had to endure that. Yeah. But, but it's, it's amazing. It's just, it's so interesting because it just, it's taught me so much about, I mean, the art and the, the, the kind of art. And like you see, there's different kinds of drag and mm -hmm. there's, I mean, some people really, they seem to be artists. Like if they didn't do drag, they would be amazing painters or something. Mm -hmm. And there's some people it's like, they just want to be really glamorous. Uh, I've learned a lot about the difference between a drag queen, a transvestite and a trans woman, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which I never really thought about before. I just kind of thought drag queens like, well, they do a, you know, this is a persona, it's a character. And then they get out of it. And it's like, even, even people on the show have been on the show to, and realized, Oh, this is not a persona. Mm -hmm. I'm not a character. This is the real me. It's the real me. And so they've had a couple trans competitors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, RuPaul's gotten in trouble with the trans community and basically saying, like, it's an unfair advantage if you've had bottom surgery. Mm -hmm. The trans women can be on the show, but they have to tuck. And that that's just it's not he's not thinking it through, man. Do you mean yeah. butt that's surgery or surgery on the bottom of your body? The lower <laughs> half. The lower half of your Sorry, butt. Lower not half. just your butt. Next. Like my mom describing a butt lift. That's what I thought you were doing. Oh, bottom. Ooh, she had bottom surgery. But, <laughs> but speaking of butts, um, one big thing this has also done is brought a whole bunch of new slang into mm -hmm. common usage, mm -hmm. including something Chris said at the top of the show. What? Throwing shade. Throwing shade, really? Yes. Yep. What, what's the derivation? Is there a more specific aspect of the derivation there or just that we got popularized in this show it's literally like getting in someone's limelight blocking them oh. from the blocking them from the crowd and you're throwing shade on them now. no shit i well, i use it as a, a synonym for talking shit but i guess that's not what that's it what is. it is that's what no, it is. that's i mean that's what it is okay. but that's yeah. sort of the, how it derived mm -hmm. also you know serving the tea yes or drinking tea piping <laughs> hot sugar. nancy pelosi or served it hot getting yeah. the tea <laughs> Yeah. So when you're like getting all the gossip. Seeing that a lot more in the Huffington Post politics section. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. for one, embrace so, it. I love this show. Wait, what, chan what channel is it on? Is it still on Logo or Bravo? VH1. VH1? Mm -hmm. No, it moved okay. to VH1. It, it got moved that to VH1. popular. Yes. It took a while. I mean, the first season, it's they're still they're ironing out the kinks, but mm -hmm. it's still really good. By the second season, it starts to, they, they figured it out more of what's the part, which parts are more interesting which parts are less interesting, you know, uh, where's the drama going to be? And also fucking with the conventions and mm -hmm. just making it ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because I haven't seen I haven't seen it, but it's still kind of remarkable. I, I grew up where just RuPaul was this person they would throw out on like award shows or talk shows, right. usually to make people feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> and but she never had a movie or a sitcom, but she found a place to be on television for yeah. fucking 10 years. Well, she before this, she had a talk show at one point. Mm -hmm. She's put out mm -hmm. several music singles. She did have a talk show. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Oh, and she's been in a movie. I mean, she was super booty. Yeah. I think we mentioned briefly. Super booty? Super booty. I have not seen this. Yeah. 
I have not yeah. seen this. I don't appreciate her stealing my name. And they also get lots of great <laughs> guest judges um, to judge the final um, competition. Like, there, you know, there's always a mini competition. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, a, the final competition. And then there's a walkway, a runway walk. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't think of it. Where they have to dress in a certain theme for the day. Mm-hmm. And then they pick the winner. And then they have two losers who have to lip sync for their life. Where okay. they're lip syncing to a song and dancing. And then at the end, someone is told to sashay away or chante you stay. I... I saw that like uh, I forget what I was watching on cable, but it was like um, it was a commercial for the VH1 app. Mm-hmm. It's like sashay your way over to VH1.com, <laughs> and like and that was like they said it twice in fifteen seconds. So yeah. like that's a that's a clunky catchphrase, but I guess that's what they're t- they're like using this specifically yes. to sell the VH1 app. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think but it's the I biggest show like on VH1 they, right now. Yeah, when I when I say like they take things very seriously, I mean you do find out. A lot of people that they have like terrible stories about like getting kicked out of their house when they were a teenager for being gay. Mm-hmm. And and they treat that all very seriously and they care about people's feelings. And then at the same time, it's a show where when you have to lip sync for your life, mm-hmm. there's like lightning crashes mm-hmm. and dramatic close ups of people. Like like this is serious. Like, dude, they're they're two guys in dresses and they're going to <laughs> mouth words to a song. It's so I mean, they know that that's silly, but it's more fun to treat it really serious. Yeah, it's it's almost hard to put into words like mm-hmm. how special the show is and unlike anything else I've ever seen and just like revolutionary. I mean, it's really changed yeah. the lives, I think, of a lot of young gay people um, who would not otherwise be exposed to drag culture. Um, and so, I mean, I think that that's a huge deal. Very you're the one gay kid in bumfuck Arkansas. Uh-huh. <laughs> this must be amazing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the so on the network happy. that used to show like live Steely Dan concerts. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus a lot of queens who otherwise would not be able to maybe make their full time living off mm-hmm. of being a queen now can do that because of the exposure that they've gotten on the show, which is kind of amazing as well. Oh, word. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's at least at least two queens from the show are in eight. Film nominated for Best Picture this year. Really? Okay. Shangela and Willem are to the drag queens uh, backstage uh, early on in A Star Is Born. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. I knew I didn't remember yeah, them from yeah, Black yeah. Panther. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Serving oh. Wakanda realness. <laughs> Wait a second. Are you done? I, I just saw the next thing on the list, which I've never heard of. And now my. Oh, mind. we have to talk about the next thing, girl. Oh, God. Uh, oh, sis. This is a real I, thing. I feel like we have covered the wonder that is RuPaul's Drag Race. This is I a, think well. so, too. The next thing is real. This is a real yes. thing that happened yes. 10 years ago. This is a real thing that happened 10 years ago. On what channel? How could the- I think HBO. Okay. There's a HBO, HBO. TV movie. Oof. Oh. Double check that. Who but- also did The Late Shift, which we talked about on uh, <laughs> this week's yes. episode of Laser Time, yeah. at the saga of Conan Bryant's Tonight Show, a TV movie, Gifted Hands. The oh, ben- sorry. TNT. TNT. Okay. That Gift- sounds more. Gifted Hands, the Ben Carson story. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. did a Ben Carson impression 10 years ago? How yeah. was this Ben Carson? He ran for this is before he ran for president or anything. That's so what was true. he famous for? Just being a black a, a doctor? Yeah, a neurosurgeon. Yeah, he's so like one of the best neurosurgeons in the country. What? But he gets a, a TV <laughs> movie. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. <laughs> Did we talk about how he deflected a, a stab wound with his belt? Oh wait, no, it was the other way around. That was the other way around. Did we talk about the what, grain he in the? Stab someone with a belt? No, no, he oh. tried to stab somebody, and the only reason he failed is because he hit his belt buckle. But oh. yeah, Ben Carson's been through some rough. Okay. Stuff. <laughs> Yet 
is so time. So sleepies. Is, yes. So sleepies. <laughs> so sleepies with his Mr. Burns arms. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, I got to hear a little bit of this. Jesus. The heartwarming true story of a mother's love and determination that inspired an ordinary boy. You weren't meant to be a failure, baby. To reach extraordinary heights. You did very well, Dr. Carson. She came through just fine. Thank you. Academy Award winner <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, and Kimberly no. Elise. Gifted hands. The- He's even squinting his eyes like Vin Carson. <laughs> I mean, he looks... Oh. It's not bad. It's not a bad... This is the greatest Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> movie since radio. Oh, oh, Cuba, Cuba, Cuba. <laughs> what are you doing to us, man? A Ben Carson but story. To be fair, this was before we knew that he was... I know, I'm sure most of his life is uplifting and inspiring. Yeah. Uh, but then he went to go be a piece of shit and work for a piece of shit. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, who better to head up Do you HUD? Do you remember <laughs> that Ben Carson for a while in the Republican lead up to the nominee was ahead of Donald Trump? Yeah, like that's, everyone that's, was at one point. That's what shit, what kind of shit we were dealing with. Oh my god! Oh, I, I I need to see this fucking movie. This seems a supercut of this on YouTube would be fantastic. If if anybody out there wants to make it, I'm looking at looking at you. Everything is terrible. Mm. Uh, but, <laughs> Very apt. Name. Oh, games of uh, games of February. I'm I'm fucking rocked by that shit. I can't believe that existed. Uh, games of 2009, yeah. the first to the seventh of Feb. Uh, nothing too notable. Tenchu sat- Shadow Assassins comes to Wii. That might be a port, but <coughs> Tenchu is not the franchise that it used to be. Mm. It was this really cool stealth ninja thing. That's mm. how it started. And then mm. it kind of, it didn't get annualized. It just kind of like diminishing returns upon each sequel. I'm guessing this added Waggle with the Wii remote. Uh, also, Yay. Burnout Paradise, ultimate box releases on PS360 and PC. And that's just... Um, the last Burnout game, one of my favorite game series that for some reason EA acquired the team and refuses to let them make a version of with all the DLC packaged together. Um, so all the cars, all that horse shit. And the only other thing I could find uh, new, like news-wise for games, uh, Crytek, the people who made Crisis, they buy free radical design. The people who made Time Splitters and uh, WB Interactive, Warner Brothers Interactive acquires Baldur's Gate devs, Snow, uh, Snowblind Studios, that also happens, and that pretty much wraps up 30 2010. But don't go anywhere because we have a quiz about who died and who lived mm. uh, and who was born Da-da-da. during this, this this period. But I should say that this, this entire show is brought to you by patreon.com slash laser time. We are 99% listener supported, so if you want to see us keep going, help support the show, help keep people getting paid, uh, maybe through some technical glitches, which hopefully you haven't noticed the giant one that occurred that I'm <laughs> terrified about in this in this episode uh, that may involve a bad hard drive. But uh, yes, that helps out all our shows, including Laser Time, which this week is all about the sad, complete saga of uh, Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show. Conan O'Brien, mm-hmm. one of my favorite entertainers uh, of my life, and the shitty stuff that happened to him 10 years ago. We'll probably talk about bits and pieces of it throughout this year, yeah. but one giant block uh, of us talking about it as well as all these talk show people making merciless fun of one another really fun really fun to hear video game apocalypse our, our video game show i've been playing a ton of kingdom Hearts 3 so i'm probably going to talk about that this week i haven't recorded it yet but uh last week celebrated its 30 uh, 300th episode and we decided to find out which game was the best for gaming we all brought in three different years and scrummed until we could figure out the three best years for ah. games ever. It was not what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, if you like this show, uh, if you like any of those shows enough, we have a bonus show every week for our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. We should be giving you delivering you a, a nice Conan-centric gift because we do commentaries over there as well. There's over 100 full-length movie commentaries, 
weekly show, exclusive podcast, uh, bonus shows out the S, including uh, the Listener Strike Back episode of this show for January. So please you do enjoy that. That should be really, really fun. And oh yeah, and if you didn't didn't catch it, we did a wrap up episode of the eights, the eighty eights, the ninety eights, and the 08s, just for our patrons. Price of a cup of coffee can help support your favorite podcast network and maybe keep them going a little while longer in a time of relative hardship. I'm sorry, I'm just really worried about something I'm behind the scenes. Yeah, uncertainty. Um, something I'm behind the scenes. Uh, where can people find you, Diana? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or at 3020podcast30210podcast, uh, where I'm going to put up uh, Bruce Springsteen slamming into a camera just over yes. and over. I'm going to gifify that, so it just will keep happening forever until the end of time. <laughs> Wonderful. It's even better than Lenny Kravitz's balls falling out. Just yeah. <laughs> he didn't take out a cameraman. Right. Uh, almost, though. Good on you, Lenny. Uh, but Diana, who, who be dead? Oh, man, we got three bad deaths this week. I'm bummed about this. Okay, 1989, we lost Joe Raposo, who was 51. Fuck you, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Uh, he wrote all the best songs for Sesame Street and the Muppets. Oh, oh shit, cool. did he really? All, like, all, being green, he wrote, and sing, and Abkadeki of Jekyll Monocra Stewart says, and C is for Cookie, and... Honk around this, the clock. Uh, uh, awesome. <laughs> that's right. I think also like wrote like real songs that I mean Frank Sinatra recorded a whole bunch of his stuff and yeah, I think there's some <sighs> weird weird stat he has like a, like a weird record number of charting hits because before the internet like those Sesame Street songs sold mm-hmm. huge yeah Rubber mm-hmm. Ducky and that kind of stuff like were all charting yeah. hits Sesame Street had a ton of albums so I I thought the yeah the original writer was like he had a ton of like platinum hits mostly as a result of yeah. Sesame Street songs yep. And just uh, the songs from like the first couple movies and everything. Mm-hmm. Ah, they're so oh. good. Oh, so good. Anyway, uh, we also lost John Cassavetes, who was only fifty nine, uh, actor and important, you know, method director type guy. And then in two thousand nine, we lost James Whitmore, who was eighty seven. And you might think, I don't know who that is. And oh yes, you do. You recognize that guy immediately. He was the really old dude in Shawshank. He had like yes. a fifty year career, though. I remember this. Yes. Yeah, he mm. was really good. It's a bummer. Anyway. Should we get to birthdays? We should yes. get to birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. Okay, so born February 4th, 1818, possibly, or maybe it's 1819 uh, in England. Um, he was Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico. What? Emperor of the United States? What? <laughs> Actually, uh, so because of historical debate, I thought Emperor Norton I was actually born in 1819 because that's what's on his gravestone. But then I found out that that's actually 1818. So I missed the bicentennial of Norton I, Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico. Are you talking about like some Civ Three game you played? <laughs> like, <laughs> No, I'm talking about Emperor Norton I, San Francisco well-known crazy person oh. uh, from the 1800s. Uh, Mark Twain wrote about him. He became real popular. Just he was a local eccentric who lost his mind after he lost his money and declared himself emperor of the United States. <laughs> I guess. And then he wow. started he started making declarations like, we should build a bridge to Oakland. He was right. We should do that. <laughs> he also started issuing his own money. And some people would take it because, you know, he's harmless. He's just a guy who made himself an outfit and decided he was the emperor of the United States. Wow. And protector but, of Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, and prote- he added that later. It was very nice of him. Yeah. So I'm the only one who has not um, heard of this guy. I've never heard of him. Yeah, but he's, I mean, like classic San Francisco guy. He was awesome. Like I said, freaking Mark Twain wrote about him. So did you win the anyway, birthday quiz? 
I win the birthday quiz. Diana wins the birthday quiz. Write it down, Sarah. <laughs> right. It's got to go on the wiki. I'll put it on the uh, birthday quiz. scoreboard. All right. I just feel really bad because I love San Francisco history because it's so fucking crazy. And yeah. that I missed the bicentennial of we had an emperor. He lived. This was his imperial home. Mm. <laughs> and I missed it. Okay. Let's do the real one now. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. No, no, I'm, gl- no, I'm glad there's I'm, another one. I love learning about that. It's awesome. Okay. Um, also, he was Jewish. America's emperor. Jewish guy. No shit. Uh, yeah. And uh, crazy. And then he died of a heart attack uh, on the street because he walked up a hill because San Francisco. Yeah, that's why I left. It's yeah. bound to happen to me too. <laughs> it's rough on the quads. Yeah. All right. So 50th birthday here. Born February 5th, 1969 in Newport, Monmouthshire, Wales. Uh, he was scouted for Arsenal's youth team at age 12, but his parents didn't want to move to London. Jesus. <laughs> Is it Christian Bale? No, but Why? good guess. Oh, Even though moving to London would have helped, and this is true, his father's part-time gig as a professional Jack Nicholson impersonator. What? What? (laughs) Man, that's Uh, so crazy. Is it Christian Slater? (laughs) Christian Slater! (laughs) Christian Slater's dad. Passing on the Um, family legacy? uh, No, um, but he attended the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, graduated, worked on stage just all through the 90s. Then he moved to film about 2000. We've talked about him a lot, actually, on this show. Hmm. Are you ready for the movies we've talked about? Colin Farrell. No, that can't be it. He's very Irish. No, he's mm-hmm. Irish. Yes. Uh, Mary Riley, Wild, Blood Diamond, The Queen, Underworld Rise of the Lichens. Billy Nye. And Frost Nixon. Oh, no. Oh, Michael Sheen. Sheen. Michael Sheen. I got it first. Me. Me. <laughs> I almost I said, said Charlie Sheen. Yeah, I heard it. I said I know. Sheen. Yeah. Oh, he's Welsh. I can't watch him anymore. Right, I know. He's Welsh. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. No, we're done with him. Yeah, I'm done. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. Uh, well, I'm not it. done with you, Michael Sheen. Don't worry. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, again, yeah, my so favorite. So now we know, do not try to play soccer against him. He'll beat your ass. Okay. And his dad looks like Jack Nicholson. So. <laughs> These are all facts that I am glad that I know. Again, now. my favorite role of his is Seven Days in Hell, the fake tennis documentary yes. uh, that Andy Sandberg made, where he's the guy lusting after <laughs> Kit Harrington and ashing cigarettes all over his gut as he's drooling over Kit Harrington. It's wonderful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's 302010. You can find out more at 302010.net. Please leave us a comment because our patron show at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, we will celebrate you and you alone, uh, you people who want to chime in and correct us on things or remind us of things we missed. We do uh, seriously appreciate that. Maybe check out our other shows, tell a friend, and we will close out with Sing by the Carpenters, which just so happened to be written by now dead Joe Raposo. Uh, it hit number three on the charts. That is it for us. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Sing, sing a song